People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time, each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? Well, not as always, because... And, uh, yeah, I mean, literally not last week, but that's that's fine. Wasn't here last week, and the entire show fell apart, so I don't know what the hell is going on. But, Joe, where, where were you? You were in the McMahon territory, correct? I was in the McMahon territory, that's correct. How'd you draw? I did not draw well. Oh, no. Is it... Is it you're, you're still... Now are you to Texas for New Jersey? Is that the possibility? Well, it, it, it didn't start off well, and then... <laughs> Um, <laughs> about, about halfway through the trip for whatever. There's a story to that first thing. I, there's a story to that first, I, I won't get into it because we got plenty to get to, but there's some, you, you're, you're, you're weird about that first thing. I don't know what it is, but. What do you mean? That intro well you, at first? No, you said like, well, at first, and there, there was like a way that you kind of phrased it. I don't know. Was there anything to it or it just. It, it, well, it, I, I mean about halfway through the trip, my Tinder app stopped working. Oh no. <laughs> I was unable to log in. I didn't know what was going on. Okay. I went to a wedding, which is usually prime hunting, you know, zone. But the problem was I, 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 I did bring a date to the wedding. Oh, Joe. And, and listen, Rich, a lot of people think I'm out of control. I don't have any class. Okay. <laughs> and they're wrong. They're not wrong, but. But no, they are wrong. Oh, okay. okay? Because even though, you know, my date was just a friend of mine. An ex, technically. I, you know, I still have some class, Rich. I'm not going to abandon my date at a wedding to go hit on other women. You can't do that. It's not, it's, it's not classy. I'm a classy man. When the situation dictates. Sure. I could be very unclassy otherwise. But when the situation dictates, I'm a very classy man. So, there was nothing going I couldn't do anything at the wedding. My app broke down halfway through the did trip. You, did you dance your heart out at a wedding? Joel Anza doesn't dance. Okay, I heard that. My uh, my, so we, I was in a car ride with my parents, and just out of nowhere, my mom said, "Oh, Joe's little rant about weddings was like the funniest thing I've ever heard." And she said that he had, she had my dad come into the room and like replayed it for him. So my parents were sitting there listening to you. It was the day that I was at my buddy's wedding, listening to your rant about it, and like my parents are sitting in like my old bedroom on their computer listening to you rant about weddings. And she was like, "That was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> 
Jeez. Well, listen, I'm a funny guy. I, I guess so. Here's, You're really over in the in the crates territory. I'll tell you that. I'm over in, in, in you know, in, yeah, that's it. I think it's great that your mother is listening to my solo shows. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, I always thought it was like, oh, I'm supporting my son or whatever. And she's like, oh, that show that you were on was awesome. That one, Joe, Joe by himself was great. And I was like, okay, all right. Your mother's burying you here. And she, she really did. Yeah, that was, it was, it was humbling. So I, I, did, I think that's great. The woman has no interest in professional wrestling. She has – her son is not even on the show, but even she's tuning in for a Joe Lanza solo adventure. I mean, what does that tell you? It's a big-time show, Rich. It's a big-time <laughs> podcast. You're a draw. Just not Absolutely. in the territory. And in uh, that way, people it, like you, but, you know. It just – you know, it, it, it didn't work. I didn't even get to the Jersey All-Pro show. So a lot of things went wrong on the trip. Did you get your pizza, though? I had a lot of pizza. It okay, was way too much pizza. I actually <laughs> I had 14 food items specific to the McMahon territory that I had to get to, and I checked off 12. So that's a successful trip. What was that, th- that like monstrosity of cookie and ice cream that you were eating? It was called a cookie puss, right? That is the cookie puss, my friend. Okay, because you said something now, about, like, I've eaten this puss, and I just I, I was like, I'm just going to... Let me tell you something. I destroyed that puss. Okay, absolutely destroyed that puss. The Cookie Puss, <laughs> for people who don't know, and we're anyone sponsored by two, we're two companies sponsored this podcast, by the way, right now that we're talking about. But go ahead. The, the, for anyone listening now, if you're from New Jersey, you know exactly what the Cookie Puss is. Okay, there's a there's an establishment called Carvel. It's an ice cream joint. Yeah, it's well, they chain. sell all across the country, right? I they they may have their stuff in supermarkets and and stuff. Yeah, like think, okay, that, that must be where I've seen it before. Okay, sure. They, they they specialize in like ice cream cakes, but in New Jersey they have they have it's like a chain of ice cream shops. You can go in there and you know get a fucking scoop of ice cream. You know, in addition to most people go in there and get you know like an ice cream cake, but they have ice cream and all that. It's an ice cream shop. It's a chain. Now they have these character cakes that they do. Okay, one is called Fudgy the Whale. Oh, this is okay. So it's the brother of Fudgy the Whale then. Yeah, you got uh, you got Nutty the Ghost. You got uh, there's a few, but but the the crown jewel of the Carvel ice cream cakes, Rich, is Cookie Puss because the thing is called Cookie Puss. I mean, you know, it it it, it hits all of it hits everyone on that immature level. I mean, it, the fucking thing is called Cookie Puss. How is that not hilarious? So of course, when you go back to New Jersey, you got to get a Cookie Puss. So yeah, I tweeted it out on the uh, you know the shoot account. And then I tweeted the before and after. I, I you know, you did devour so, it. Yeah, was that a solo job too? No, it's a gigantic okay. cake. I was gonna it's, say, I, yeah, it looked large, but uh, you devoured it pretty quickly. So I kind of, I had, I had some help eating that puss. Okay, as you always do. I mean, the puss no, did no not one get, man can take down a puss by themselves. I'm not the only one who ate the puss. Okay, okay? my whole family enjoyed the puss. The cookie puss. Yeah, get right, that out of the gutter, people. Cookie I want to go full Joey Styles here. You know. It's it's the cookie puss, you know. That's what it's called. It's called cookie puss. So yes, that was one of the fourteen food items on the list. Okay, we have hug, got, me, oh. hug me the bear is one of the hug other me ones. the bear. Now he hug me the bear is good, but it's hard to find hug me the bear. He's got a lot of those brown uh, cookie crumb deals. All yeah, you're looking, looking at, at a I'm picture. I'm looking at a hug me the bear right now. I think I'd be into hug me the bear the most. Uh, Fudge of the whale is fine, but I don't like the frosting quite as much. So I, I, I think I'm into hug me the bear if I can. If you it, look so. at Nutty the ghost, Nutty the ghost. Hold on. Okay, Google fire that up. Yeah, Google Nutty, Nutty the, the ghost because this proves that Carvel. Look, it's a, oh there's man. A, there's a oh. lot of 
there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on. First of all, they have a cake called Cookie Puss, number one, which if that's not bad enough, if you look at Nutty the Ghost, he's shaped like a sperm. Uh, he is, yeah. It doesn't and really look and like he's a ghost, called yeah. And he's called Nutty. <laughs> I mean, come on. It looks delicious, though. I think I'm all in on Nutty the Ghost. That's my favorite of the uh, the family. I, I don't know all of the family, but... Uh, I've never had a Nutty the Ghost. Okay. Now, in now if it's around March or April, you can get Cookie Puss's uh, like cousin, Cookie O-Puss, and he's green. I, I did see... Okay, and, and I had the producer fire that up, and yeah, I was wondering if that was a, uh, a separate one. Yeah, that, that one looks pretty solid. Cookie O-Puss, yes. Yeah, that uh, has a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, mint chocolate chip ice cream because yeah, yeah, he's green, course. you know. Right. But that's only, that's only around March. You know, for the St. Patrick's Day sure. gimmick. You know. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I did devour a cookie puss, Rich. Okay. That was one of my items. What else, what else was on the list? Of course, there was pizza. Did you have multiple places or did you just go to one and just devour that one like 15 times? What? The cookie puss? No, no, no. I'm done with the puss. I don't care about the puss anymore. I'm on to that pizza puss. now. Yeah. Oh, no. I had I had pizza at least five or six times, I think. From different establishments or just one? A couple place? from the same place. A couple okay. from different places, you know. Um, but yeah, pizza, I mean, I couldn't get enough, you know, it's, and I, and I never get sick of it. Meatballs, but, um, I'm sure it was on one of your lists as well, right? A good meatball parm sandwich was on the list and I checked that off. You know, to get a decent meatball parm sandwich in Texas, I got I can't get a decent one. The only way to get one period is I got to go to like Subway. That's not good. Yeah. It's, that's... It's, it's, it's an abomination, Rich. It's just, but sometimes I have a hankering as they like to say. Okay. Having... When I do go to Subway, I do always get that though. That is the to, to me the best thing at Subway. Everything else is like rubber at that place, but that one I can actually eat and not want to kill myself. So, so I mean, sometimes I have a craving and I have to settle for a Subway meatball parm, and it's just it's not. Come on, because you, know you probably mean? can't even make your own. Because because when we were in South Carolina for my wedding, my buddy who um who lives up here, he's very very Italian. Trust me, and his family's and like he has a uh, a specific meatball recipe, and he was like, hey, for your wedding. I will make you guys meatballs or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he was like, here, I'll give you the list of things to buy at the grocery store. And if you come back with that, I will make it for you when I come you know, into town or whatever. So I go and he has all these requests of like, I need this ground beef. I need this sort of beef. I need this Italian sausage or whatever. They don't have it. At any, I went to five different stores, and I'm like, "Do you have Italian sausage?" And they look at me like I'm the like, "What are you talking about, Italian? What what sauce?" Like, I had to get like breakfast sausage, was all they had. Like, they didn't they, the idea of an Italian like a spiced sausage like ground up was just completely lost on them. So I was like, "Well, do you have like any types of sausage? Like, I can just rip it out of the casing or whatever." And they had nothing. They had no sausages, like nothing at all. And I was like, and he was freaking out. Well, no, I can't make it unless they have this. And then like they had like. Two Italian, like, you know, red sauces or whatever, or gravy. They had nothing. They had, like, one brand, and he's like, that's not the right brand. I was like, Dan, that's all they have. They don't have other brand. Like, they don't make Italian food there. They, it's just not a thing. I believe you because I have a lot of trouble finding Italian sausage here in Texas, too. And I, I, I just took it for granted where I grew up. That everyone would have and I'm like sausage. walking around the store, like, okay, where where can this possibly be? Why am I not finding it? And I found a guy, and, and he seemed like, and he was like, oh, I don't know. Let me go look in the back. And like, he comes back like 20 minutes later. I thought he had forgotten about me, and he he didn't. And he comes back, and he goes, and, and it was like you know Charleston Southern accent is well, brother, I I don't know if we have any of that Italian sausage. And I was like, all right, whatever, like that's fine. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And, and then I had the idea that Dan and I should move to South Carolina and open up an Italian restaurant because. Um, because then like her aunt and uncle who are from there, they've lived there forever. They were devouring his, his Italian food and they wanted, they're like, Hey, can we take all the leftovers? Like we want every single bit of the left. Cause they don't ever have that 
you know, they we had a bunch of like shrimp and and like southern food for all the people of all of our northern and all the Yankees. And we were devouring that. They didn't want a piece of that because they have that every day. But they were like, oh my god, red sauce, oh my god, meatballs, and we're just devouring it, like I've never seen before. Maybe you need to move down there and open up like a can, uh, you know a food truck or something. Yeah, because I can do the pizza. He can do the meatballs. I think we got a good little good little thing there. So procuring the uh, the uh, uh, ingredients is going to be tough though, as I could, as I found out. Very but, difficult. Uh, might, it might be expensive. Yeah, I and I guess Texas isn't any better. So I got to make meatballs from scratch. You know, and, and and you know it's 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 and and, and cobble the ingredients together. So yeah, it's 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 difficult here. It's difficult. I've discovered anywhere south of the old Mason Dixon line, Rich. <laughs> the Mason Dixon line. Where is that line? Um, I forgot. What I don't remember exactly. anymore. Like I know what, Virginia a, uh, or something. Yeah. Um. Where's the exact? What Mason was? What, where did Virginia fall in the Civil War? That was a southern. Uh, state. they were definitely in the south. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They were south. Maryland was a northern state. Mar- like, was that? The uh, it looks like Maryland's like the cutoff of it, or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is. Um... I had the producer pull up a Civil War map. Yeah, I guess I'm we'll have to sh- do that because Mason Dixon line did not uh, work very well. I went to a uh, bar once in Dubuque, Iowa, that was called the Mason Dixon. In Iowa? Weird. Yeah, that, and um, nowhere near the Mason Dixon line. No, and uh, many of the employees were of a race that would not have been uh, benefiting by the line being where it was. You know what I mean? I was like, ah, hmm, that's kind of weird. <laughs> so these were black employees. They were. I have a picture on my phone that I've uh, I only share with certain friends. Where I, I took a picture of like three black employees with a big sign that said Mason Dixon line behind it, and I was just like, ah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, it, I don't want to say anything because, like, you know, I, I don't want to you know cause any problems. But okay, so we have uh, Virginia definitely in the south. Um, Union states. We got yeah. We got uh, Maryland. Uh, Maryland is. Uh, a union state that permitted slavery, it looks like. Hmm. So they're in the union, but they're like, hey, you know what? Hey, <laughs> like, ah, a bunch of fence. Don't get rid of it quite yet. Sound but... like some fence sitters to me. Pick a yeah. side. Yeah, Kentucky was that way too, which is uh, interesting given where Kentucky is these days. But yeah, they were a union state that did uh, that permitted slavery as well as Missouri. So, hmm. But they fought for the union. Yes. Did they understand what they were fighting for? No, <laughs> clearly not. But. That's right. This show is off the rails, Joe. We got plenty to talk about here. Uh, you were back in Texas. We were back talking about wrestling. Uh, plenty of stuff to get to. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to let people know that despite that conversation about the cookie puss, uh, we were sponsored by Mac Weldon <laughs> this week. And Mac Weldon, Joe, you know, I know. Joe, I always got to do a temperature check. I think I might have you either even or beat today. What is the temperature there in College Station, Texas? As of right this second or earlier right today second. at its peak? Um, let me get out my device here. Let me get this. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's go with. Well, I don't know. It, it's rapidly dropping here. So maybe at peak time would be the best time to do it. But let me get out this $9,000 phone that I got talked into. Yeah, let's okay. <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> it was Rodney, Excuse right? Me. And you got a cold. That's no good. I got a cold on the plane. Yeah, those are I, I was sick for after trip, too. Hold on a second. Is that what destroyed your uh, your your drawing ability? I'm dying over here, Rich. Oh, is that? Oh, you're you're muting because you're dying. Okay, all right, take your time. You know, this is awful. Right now, it's 75 degrees in College Station. Okay, all right. Well, we're not bad. We're um, I'm at 64 right now, which is pretty uh, pretty good considering I'm going to get snow in like two days. So not bad uh, for both of us. But anyway, you and I both know. 
MacWeldon, how great it is. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and of course, simple shopping. You go to MacWeldon.com. You don't get overwhelmed by 7,000 different SKUs and what shirt am I going to get and what underwear am I going to get and what hoodie am I going to get. They have very simple, basic, you know, this is our underwear. What color do you want it? There you go. It's good. And it's all great quality stuff. I have the underwear. I have the polo shirt. I love both of them. Uh, the wife even calls me handsome sometimes when I wear the polo shirt. So, you know, that has to be pretty good. You have the hoodie, which I haven't used quite yet. Did you bring the hoodie to New Jersey? Did the Mack Weldon hoodie make its way to New Jersey? The Mack Weldon hoodie did, in fact, make yeah, its way Yeah, I was going to say, that, that's, that's prime. So, and how, how did it hold up? Did it hold up well? It kept me warm in the frigid <laughs> northeastern temperatures. Was it like 45 and you were probably shivering, right? It was like 50. And <laughs> right? like, God damn as it. I explained, I got sick. So I was sick for half the trip, too. It was either on the plane, the weather, combination of all the above. But my Mack Weldon hoodie kept me warm the entire that's time. Good. So Mack Weldon is, of course, the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And best of all, you can go to MacWeldon.com right now and get 20% off using our promo code VOICES. That's VOICES before we had used VOW as the promo code. That is no longer an active one. You want to use VOICES, so you want to go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using your coupon code VOICES for your next Mack Weldon purchase of other underwear, socks, hoodies, sweatpants, undershirts, any other good stuff. So anyway, we thank Mack Weldon for sponsoring this episode. Joe, we have plenty of things to do. Maybe kind of chime in. What have you? So you've been you just got caught up like yesterday, right? Like you you you've watched no wrestling. You kind of were on the out. Were you were you you know huddled over your phone in the McMahon territory watching wrestling, or were you completely out of it for the last week? I watched zero wrestling in the McMahon territory. Um, I periodically checked in on Twitter. It was nothing but a dumpster fire of uh, awful yeah. That was probably a good time to. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, between the election and Joey Styles, it was probably a good week to not be on anything and be as far away from other people as as possible. So it was nice to be away from that. Um, so yeah, I, I but I got in yesterday around noon, and I've been doing nothing but watching wrestling since. Which I don't know what that says about me. Uh, it does say I'm dedicated to this program, right? Rich. Yes. Um, but I, I'm still desperately catching up. I need to watch. Uh, let me see. Check my notes here. I got two Evolve shows I need to watch. I'm working on the Rev Pro. They were very Global good. They were very good, by the way. You should watch both those Evolve shows. I'm going to. I'm going to do the Flow Sports gimmick, and I'm going to watch them. I, I did the one Global War show. I still got the second one to go. I'm, I'm same with you. I, I did not get the finish uh, the first one, but I, 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 I did not get the second one. I've, I've watched the first one though, so we've watched both the same ones. So the 11:10 Dragon Gate show. I got to get to that. Uh, there's a couple yeah, progress shows okay. I'm well, behind on. It was a, a low-key show of the year contender, that Dragon Gate show. So now you got to watch it. And I got mad at him. I said, God damn it, Case, I don't have enough time. Like, don't say that. Now I have to watch that. So, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, of course, all the TV from the week uh, that I'm slowly chipping away at. So it only takes seven days, if you get away from this, to fall oh, completely done. and utterly behind. Well, because we, you we had, had that, then you have yeah. all the stuff that you were behind on anyway. Right. But then you have a whole week's worth of stuff that you're behind on. It's a pay-per-view week in WWE. So you kind of have to watch the TV to know what the hell's going on. It's a takeover week, too. you got NXT as well, so you can't skip right. out on NXT. Yeah, it is so much. And, yeah, like, people don't understand that. Like, it's not just you came back. Like, I had that when I came back from my wedding or whatever. Is like I came back on, like, a Tuesday or whatever, and I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I'll try to record. And then I'm thinking... 
well, no, I, I have a day to, like, watch all this stuff. Like, I'm not going to be able to watch all this. So, like, I can come back and record because, yes, I'm physically back here. But if I'm not, like, mentally in it, I'm, if, I'm not, if I don't have any expertise, I don't want to just get on here and just do this random stuff. So people don't understand that. When you're gone for a few days, you might as well be gone for two weeks because the way we do this show and the amount of topics we cover or whatever, it's impossible just to kind of jump back in and go, okay, yeah, whatever, I'm an expert again. Like, and that's not what we want to do. We want we, we don't want ill-informed, you know, opinions. We want very, you know, uh, informed opinions. So that definitely, uh, it becomes a, a, a tough, tough thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm very admirable that you have now uh, gotten everything together in the last day and you're ready to go for the show because we have plenty to talk about um, here as well. Joe, what do you want to start with? We got the World Tag League. Uh, Case and I did a little bit about it last week where we kind of previewed the, the blocks, but I, I did want to talk about it with you a little bit. Uh, we, of course, have Wrestling World in Singapore. Uh, there was a big title change with Katsuri Shibata winning back the Never Openweight title, and that caused a little bit of controversy, so we'll talk about that. And also the two uh, WWE shows, and oh my god, <laughs> are we okay? Yeah, we're fine. Okay, a dog went nuts there in the background. So I just yeah, wondering. yeah, I don't worry about her. Okay. I took care of her. <laughs> She's dead. Jeez, all right. Uh, wow, uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto. Speaking of dead, uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto and the WWE Survivor Series. We're going to talk a little bit about those, preview those shows uh, as well. But you mentioned the Joey Styles thing, and, and you texted me a little bit earlier and said, we have to talk about this, this, and this. And I went, I really don't want to talk about Joey Styles. But I guess we kind of have to. Um, cause it was a very big news piece. What, 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 it, what were your thoughts on it? Kind of on the outside looking in when you weren't involved in the, the conversation going on at the time. And I'm not going to clue people in. You can find out it's, it's not that hard to figure out what the hell was going on with Joey Styles because everybody literally was tweeting about it or writing about it for the last like six days. So you're fine on that. What were your thoughts though, overall of, uh, of the whole controversy going on uh, last weekend with Joey Styles? I think just watching it from the outside and not participating at all in the scrum, that I was pretty disgusted at pretty much everybody, Rich. <laughs> Every single person on Twitter, everyone I saw commenting on the thing. I mean, if it, it, this couldn't have been handled more poorly. Um, you know, just just such terrible trash opinions everywhere on all sides. I mean, look, he was insubordinate. His boss told him not to bring up politics. He brought up politics. He got fired. Joey Styles admits as such. He admitted in his statement he was told to not bring up politics. He made a Donald Trump joke, and he, he asked to be fired. So where, you know, these people who are arguing that he shouldn't have been fired, what the fuck are you talking what, what, what From what angle? Right, because I think what they're taking at is because, and this is the problem with this story is it's like it's multi layered, but people don't. It seems that most people kind of pick one of the two issues at hand and then drive that issue home and then go nuts about that particular issue. When it's it's multi layered, of course there was the the implication that he was saying about Joanna Rose and all that sort of stuff, and people go with that angle of him being you know kind of making light of sexual assault, making light of that sort of stuff, and they go with that angle and that angle alone, and that's the thing. Okay, that's why he deserved to get fired. That's and this sort of thing, and then you get people going, oh, PC. Da, 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 whatever, and then that's a whole different argument on its own level, which, which you know, again, I don't think we, we necessarily want to dive all that deep into that, but yeah, there's that sort of argument of he made a sexual assault sort of joke, and that should be the implications for him getting fired, but then there's the other side where Gabe is, is again, you know, he was kind of disgusted by the Joanna Rose thing, but... In addition to that, he's also saying, I told you not to talk about politics, and the second I give you a live mic, you talk about politics, you're done. Like, that's it. So there, there's, But people don't see both of those issues. They see the one issue, they choose their side, and then they go nuts about that one issue where you have your people defending, oh, why did he get fired or whatever? You know, oh, who cares? He made a little, like, joke and whatever. And, you know, 
uh, we're so, you know, we're, we're, we're sissies and it was, a, you know, we're such a PC society, ignoring that one of the other implications of it is don't talk politics. Why did you talk politics? Get the hell out of here. Where it's not necessarily 100% for the Joanna Rose comment, but also the political comment. But both of those kind of, they, nobody seems to be joining both of those and going and looking at the larger issue of Joy Styles with those two issues at hand. They're just choosing their one and then going nuts on that side. Correct. And the two issues are not mutually exclusive. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. No, no, not at all. It was, I mean, the other thing that I, you know, first of all, the people saying, I should have been fired. Those people are so lost to say that they shouldn't have been fired. Uh, Then whenever you have a situation like this, you have the people who don't understand what free speech means. Those people drive me nuts. Um, Look, Free speech does not mean – it does not protect you from being fired from your job. Right. It, it okay. protects you from being jailed. I don't believe Joey Styles has been jailed yet. Can you get yes. that through your head? It does not <laughs> no. protect you from being fired from your job. He was insubordinate. He brought up a topic he was asked to not bring up. Free speech does not protect you from that. Stop bringing – you don't know what free speech means if you're bringing up free speech. So hit the bricks with that. Number two, anyone who thinks he doesn't deserve to be fired, I mean, please, I, I, it's a joke. He was insubordinate. He deserves to be fired. But here's the other thing that was driving me nuts. In real time, just watching it from afar as I'm shaking my head in New Jersey, the point that you just brought up, you know, it's not – these aren't mutually exclusive issues. There's people just – you know, you have people harassing wrestling websites over what headlines they're using to report the story because the headlines may have said things like, Joey Styles fired for a Donald Trump joke or Joey Styles fired for a lewd Donald Trump joke or Joey Styles fired for a, a crass Donald Trump joke. And there's people tweeting at these websites, harassing them, telling them, oh, it's not a Donald Trump joke. It's a sexual assault joke. Change your headline. And these – and, I, and, I, and I, first of all, it's, again, it's not mutually – it's both. Why can't it be both? It is. Yeah, and it, absolutely it was is very both. clearly, very clearly – a political slash Donald Trump joke, very clearly. In fact, that's the official reason he was fired. He was fired for making a political joke. That's the reason. That's the reason that came out of Gabe's mouth. So to to put pressure on these websites to eliminate that from their headlines is ridiculous. And 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 I'm very disappointed that a lot of these headlines caved. What are they doing? Why are they caving? To these random tweeters who are lost, who don't understand that it's a that it's, it can be both. It's not disingenuous to say that he was fired for telling a Donald Trump joke. Because he literally was. I because mean, that, he literally yeah. was fired for telling a Donald Trump joke. Right. It doesn't mean that you think sexual assault is okay because right. he literally was fired exactly. for a Donald Trump joke. Yeah. That doesn't mean these sites are condoning sexual assault. Get off your high horse. Get off your high horse. And, and I, listen, I'm, dis, I'm so disappointed that so many of these sites changed their headline uh, based on this minimal pre- by a few you know, crazy people who, 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 who weren't seeing things clearly. I, I was so disappointed they caved. I couldn't believe it watching from afar. It made me happy that we're not a new site. Oh, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have changed that headline in a million years because it wasn't false. He was fired for making a Donald Trump joke. You dopes. That's exactly why he was fired. That is literally why he was fired. They are two separate things, and they're not mutually exclusive. It was a political joke, which he was told not to do. It was a Donald Trump joke because it was a Donald Trump fucking quote. And it was a sexual assault joke. It was all of those things. 
It was not disingenuous to say that. So I was, you know, these less Moors and these other people putting pressure on these websites to change the headline. I mean, I, you know, get out of here. I, I, that, that bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. So the, everything, everything about it bothered me. About the only people who didn't bother me were Gabe Sapolsky, who was rightly irate, and I really don't think it was be- – he, he was irate, and I, and I do not think it, he caved because of, 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 of outside pressure or anything like that. I think he was irate because Joey Styles was insubordinate, and Joey Styles was getting fired no matter what. Whether there was social media outrage or not, I, I see. Well, he, I, was, he was right out there. If you remember, um, Gabe was immediately almost like, while, I don't know if you were if you were following what was going on, but like, yeah, almost immediately after it happened, like I, I, I forget maybe while the show was still going on, he tweeted out, "We have parted ways with Joyce Styles," da, 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 and it kind of went on. I mean, we know that Gabe's kind of busy during these shows as well, so he might not have been that active. like. So that was the thing where he went out there. I, I don't believe that he just saw a bunch of tweets and said, "Okay, Joey, I have to get rid of you." I have an idea that like immediately he said, "Okay, no, I told you not to do this, and you did this," and like. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I, I believe that it wasn't a, a direct result. It was C- completely agree, and right. I, I also I also believe Joey Styles when he says that he knew he fucked up, and he asked to be fired publicly. I believe him too, um, and 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 I don't blame Chikara for firing him. I don't blame Beyond Wrestling for firing him. They have to. They really have a choice. He's got it. He you know he had to go because. Whether they have and, – and look, I'm not passing judgment. I'm not going to sit here and dissect the brain of Mike Quackenbush and who's the dude that runs beyond. We talked to him uh, Drew Cordero, I forget his Drew name. Cordero. Drew. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and pick their brains or anything, and, and I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you whether I think that they feel they're fi- they fired him for righteous reasons or for business reasons, but – the bottom line is they had to fire him for business reasons. They are running businesses. And it's very clear that many people were not happy with this man after that joke didn't land. So you, you, can't, you can't retain him. And Joey Styles would probably agree with that. But as far as, I, you know, as far as social media's reactions to all this, I mean, I, I, I thought so many people were it's just a, it was a, a, a disgusting two days of Twitter. I mean, just people with terrible takes all over the place, left and right. And I understand we're in very emotional times, and that adds to it. You know, you mentioned the election before, and obviously that has a ton to do. If you if you want to pretend that the election has nothing to do with this, then you're 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 fucking. I don't. You're out to lunch. It has a lot. It's, it's, it almost has everything to do with this. Tensions are high. Um, people's tolerance levels for things like this are very low right now. Um, this is a very very volatile time. In not only this country, but the world, due to this election result. So to pretend or to try to carp, uh, you know, um, uh, I can never pronounce that word, carp, car, um, uh, compartmentalize, compartmentalize, compartmentalize. Yes, yes. the there two you. issues. Big words here. We do big words here. Is That's disingenuous because, of course, yeah. this had everything to do with the election. This had everything to do with Donald Trump. This had everything to do with, with tensions. In the, and this is why Gabe Sapolsky didn't want this shit brought up to begin with. He didn't want this dragging down his show and overshadowing his show, which, which is why he put that. Did. It was a great, and show, it did. Yeah, and and and, and that, you know, and and he was absolutely right to tell everyone, "Don't go there." And I didn't watch the show, but I did watch the clip. And there's no defending Joey Styles here. No, it's a terrible joke. It's stupid. It, it it from whatever angle you want to take, it first of all, you know, whether whatever from whatever perspective you're seeing it from. 
whether you think it was this vile sexual assault joke, and it, it was, or whether you just think it was a terrible joke that didn't land with horrible timing, it was. I mean, I don't know if you watched the clip. Well, you watched the show. I so did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in order... I'll call it. It was terrible. He used, he used the, the pussy-grabbing Trump line to set up calling Stokely Hathaway a pussy. <laughs> right. I mean, what a terrible way to get the point and A to point B. dragging the ring announcer down with it for no right. reason whatsoever, who has nothing to do with the situation, really, besides the fact that she is a female. He and needed an impetus. He thinks she's attractive. So. He needed an impetus right. to, for the pussy-grabbing joke. So that's how she fit in. <laughs> now, supposedly, is, if she you really break it down like this, what a horrible joke. It was like, a horrible is, joke. Like, what are you doing? It's not funny. And, and, and I know he's a smart guy. He had to know that that was really going to piss a lot of people off a few days away from a, from a very, very divisive election. He had to know that that was not going to land. And not only did it not land, Rich, it blew up before he... It blew up upon landing. It blew the fuck... It was a terrible joke. And he knew it. And he asked for his head to be cut off. And Gabe did the right thing. And, you know, it's... it's now look... The other thing I don't like is, uh, look, you're always going to have the piling on afterwards. I get it, okay? Especially since uh, there's a lot of people projecting their anger, their disappointment, their frustration over the election on Joey Styles. Since, since he basically did a Trump, he did a Trump joke, okay? Even though in his mind he was bashing Trump, it just didn't come off that way. It just came off bad. Everything about it came off bad. But then the piling on comes, and you know that now there's now we're all being revisionist, and Joey Styles was never a good announcer. Okay, get lost. Joey Styles was an excellent announcer in another life. In his time, yeah, in his yes. time too. I mean, again, that's a, a, we talk about it with ECW all the time, and and that's why I really tell people don't go back on the network and watch much ECW because you just can't. Your 2016 brain is not going to like. 1996 ECW. It, it, it's for its time, and Styles at that time was a fantastic announcer because he fit with the brand. He fit with ECW. He fit as an alternative to what you were getting on the other networks, which is, you know, stuffy announcers, your Vince McMahon types, your Jim Ross types, whatever. He was something different than that, and so it was very important for him in ECW at that time. He was a fantastic announcer in that time for ECW. No, he, you know, now in, in, in hindsight, maybe not, but yeah, you know, at that time, absolutely. It's, he fit perfectly with the he, era. He, he was very good then. He was very good with WWE. Even though, you know, he, they, they, they changed it. He, he, in my opinion, when he was with WWE, he was the best guy in the company. But now there's all this piling on in revisionist history, and I don't like that either. You know, it's like, all right, the guy made a mistake. You may not like him now. He may have done something to offend you. I get that. But you don't go back in time and tell me he was terrible then because he was he was very good and look he look the other thing was you saw the show was he as bad as people say regardless of the joke just his commentary period during the show i haven't really liked his evolved commentary all that much i haven't liked his independent commentary much uh in nobody has turn that he has so yeah no he was he was pretty terrible there too so so see when he got fired from wwe a few months ago we had the discussion, and I was of the opinion that companies were going to fall over each other to hire him, mm-hmm. and, they, and they did. The problem with parachuting a guy in is, he, is they don't have product knowledge. They don't know what's going on. So unless you – if they really do their homework, 
which I have no idea whether Joey Styles did or not. Um, it's going to be hard for them just to drop in, especially Evolve. You're drop- Lenny Leonard's used to doing it by himself. So you have that whole dynamic, too, where now Lenny Leonard's working with a partner, and it's just... And he did a lot with uh, Rob Naylor. Uh, so he, he has a little bit of... But Rob Naylor, again, is like... I don't consider Joey Styles... I mean, Rob Naylor is just like your buddy that loves... You, you know what I mean? He's like your buddy that's like a wrestling nerd or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody would have a real tough time doing a commentary... You know, doing an entire show with Rob Naylor. He's not going to step over your toes. He's going to stay out of the way and just kind of be Rob Naylor, which is fine. But Styles is a whole different dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, it's... it's so, you know, I, I've only, I only have seen one show that Styles has done commentary on since he's come back, since he's been fired from WWE, and I, I thought he was fine. But that night, there were rampant complaints about his commentary before he even made the awful joke. So um, he just hasn't been good. The reviews have not been good for Joey Styles since he's returned from the Indies, but Again, that doesn't change. You can't go back. You know, all this revisionist history going back and saying he was a terrible announcer. I mean, that's just that's ludicrous. He was a, he was an excellent announcer. A lot of that is wrestling fans just hate everything, and a lot of that is piling on and projecting based on what he did on this show. And a lot of it is just revisionist history. I mean, in real time, nobody thought Joey Styles was a bad announcer. Uh, the, the one sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing with him was that he was heavily produced by Paul Heyman. So, but again, I, why does that matter? It's, you know, it's, it's, could, would someone else in that, I mean, look at ECW before they brought on Joey Styles, they had awful announcers. It's, it's like, could anyone else have done what he did in ECW? I don't, I don't know, maybe. But whether he's produced heavily by Paul Heyman or not, he was the one out there and he was the one doing it. And he did a good job. And I thought he was good in WWE too. But look, um, what happens from here? I mean, look, he's going to be in exile for a while. Um, you know, I, I don't like this idea that, you know, he deserved to be fired, absolutely. No, he shouldn't be hired, you know, by all three companies. But I don't like this idea that he should never work again or just be banished from wrestling because he made a mistake. Um, you know, the guy told a terrible joke that didn't land and. Believe me, he's taking his medicine right now. Um, he got fired from his three jobs. He's uh, getting beaten up from all sides. He's uh, an outcast in the wrestling world. Look, I, I don't think that you know he should just be you know wiped from the face of the earth and never heard from again because he made one mistake. I don't agree with that either. Um, I think you know we need to wait it out and and, and after a certain amount of time, you don't know how it's going to play out, but. Um, you know, on on you know, he fucked up and he made his own bed, and um, you know, on some level, I I do feel bad for him, um, but on some level, you know, but 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 he did this to himself. He fucked yeah, up, exactly. and he knows exactly. he fucked up. Yeah, because my my real take on it would be, you know, of course I mentioned at the top, like taking both of the jokes and sort of thinking of it in context of it being a Donald Trump joke while also being a sexual assault joke, and not one or the other, but it's definitely both. I think there wasn't as much, there wasn't the malice that I like. I, people seem to think that there was a lot of malice behind what he said, and I don't believe that there was. I just think he told a really shitty joke, had no yes. way of setting it up. 
for whatever fucking reason in his head, he thought this is a good idea. I'm going to do this joke on this week. Like if he does this Donald Trump joke, you know, six months later, I don't know that it's the same, you know, vitriol. I think there is going to be vitriol because it's such a terrible, you know, joke and to make light of sexual assault is never a good thing to do, especially when it's just, it makes like, what are you, what is the setup? Why are you using that to set up you calling like the whole, it makes no sense. So it's terrible. It's just an awful, awful joke. And I don't think there's any, I don't see the direct malice in that. And Joanna Rose is on record. She was the ring announcer, of course, of Evolve. She's on record as saying, I didn't, I, I wasn't offended. I didn't think that it was malicious or anything like that. But that doesn't cloud the fact that it was still a really stupid joke, a really dumb joke. And he should have known better. And he should have been smarter, particularly if before he walks through the curtain, Gabe goes, please, 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 no political jokes. Then you go out there and you tell a political joke. And when you do a political joke, you phrase it in the way of like a sexual assault joke, which is like, how could you possibly, like, I don't know that you could in one sentence be more be more stupid than that. You know what I mean? Like to make He couldn't have made a joke, bigger like, mistake than that. That was the like, biggest I'm trying to think of like what you could have possibly said in that one sentence that could have nothing fucked up even more than he did. Like it was Especially just, in this time in this cli- like yeah, it, so, it was the worst possible thing he ever could have said. And I do believe in his mind he thought that that line would get over as taking a shot at Donald Trump. Sure. But once it tumbled from his mouth, it did not come off that way at all. It just came off like a crass sexual assault joke. It did not come off like, ha, 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 let's laugh at Donald Trump together, which is what it was in his head, I think. The guy made a mistake. He fucked up. He deserved what he got. Um, but again, I, you know, I, I don't think he deserves to be shunned for the rest of his life from professional wrestling. And, and, and you know, I've seen that opinion in play. I, I, look... Why does it always have to be such hard, such extremes with people? You have some people saying that, you know, Joey Styles should be able to say whatever the hell he wants and whatever happened at the good old days in wrestling where we, and those people are nuts. And then you have these other people on the other side of Spectrum who want Joey Styles just banned from life and never heard from again and banished to Siberia. And those people are nuts. He made a mistake. He's paying for it. He's getting what he deserved, you know, and it, it, let's see what happens now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a, you know, this whole garbage person culture that we're in. If people make a mistake, this gotcha culture where we want to get everybody, and then when we get them, they're gar- they're a garbage person, yeah. and we write them off from society. We got to write them off from society. I, I, you know, it's like people are allowed to make mistakes. If you talk for a living, like Joey Styles does, you're going to say thing. You're going to make a mistake after after thirty years or twenty years or whatever it is. Twenty years in his case. If you talk on a podcast for three hours every week like we do, Rich, we're going to say things that offend people every now and then. It's it, it, the sheer volume and hours that you do is impossible not to. You know, it's it's like when, you know, this is drifting a little. and We can get off of this, I promise. But it's like when as a society do we get to this point where people aren't allowed to make mistakes and they become, you know, pariahs for it. I, when did this happen, Rich? I'm not, you know, it's rhetorical. I know you don't have the answer yeah. for me. But I mean, it's like, you know, it's it, bigger picture. It's it's fascinating to me that, you know, and, and, and it, it, a lot of this, again, ties into this election that we just had. But I mean, we're not going to definitely not getting into that. No, please, God. But I mean, <laughs> I know, it, it's, yeah. you know, it's 
I, I, I don't know what else to add. He yeah, fucked no, up, it, it and was, he got yeah, what he deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree, and, and he deserved to get fired, uh, and he deserves Do I, do I he think said. he's the worst person on Earth, though, because he, he told a joke that no, didn't yeah, land? Yeah, I think we can all I, – I, I think you and I can both agree that – no. I don't think we all can, Rich, because I think <laughs> – You and I can't agree that, but yeah, I don't think we all – yeah, no, that's, that's where I kind of draw the line a little bit is, is just, yeah, the malicious intent, the, oh, he's a terrible person. Like, I don't know that he's a terrible person. I think I don't he, know that either. He, I think he, he's just an idiot. And he, he, he very, you know what? Joke. Yeah. He very well might be a terrible person. Yeah, he might be. I don't know. I don't, I know, don't know. Right. Okay. And I can tell you that I don't think he's a garbage person or and a you terrible don't know either. <laughs> person, based hypothetical on, person that's getting mad. You don't know him either. So based on one mistake that he made, right, a right. very public mistake, which I'm sure he feels terrible about. I'm sure he feels embarrassed. I'm sh- listen. He's been friends with Gabe Sapolsky for 20, 20, 25 years. I'm sure he feels terrible that he did that to Gabe. I'm sure he does. Well, the other implication I was going to bring up is this is the debut show for WWE Live on, you know, Flow Slam or whatever. Not, you know, you don't necessarily want this to be the thing that... So it, it, it's just a confluence of so many things. Being the week after the election, being a sexual assault joke, being a, a terrible joke with a horrible setup that doesn't really work, and it being the debut show that the, that brand has on a brand new network that they're the flagship, you know, <laughs> part of. It, it's just a confluence of things. It was just uh, unbelievable. Like, I don't believe you could fuck up more than he did in that one sentence. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, if he even if he told any other Donald Trump related joke, he'd still be fired. Yeah, but, I think that's the important thing to kind of point that, out here. That's and an important thing that, that we don't think sexual assault is serious. That's not saying that we laugh at sexual assault. Right, that but that's just a fact. That the fact is, Gabe said no political things. He did a political thing. Yes, it was it was made much worse by to, exactly. Joke, but let's not conflate that one of the big reasons why it was fired is because it was the Donald Trump joke. But 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 in his mind, to 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 get from point A to point B, to call Stokely Hathaway a pussy, which was ill advised to begin with. He chose that line to get from A to B. I mean, what the fuck was this guy thinking? <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. I mean, that was just. I mean, what the hell was he? Th- I, I just. He's. I mean, geez. I, he, and he had to know as soon as it tumbled out of his mouth that he fucked up big time. But life. Live TV, not easy. That's why I'm glad we don't do a live podcast as well. So, though we're pretty good, we're pretty much live to tape most of the time. But uh, yeah, it's not. Bad. You haven't had to, uh, you know, edit me in a long time. I've been, no, a, been I've been good. a good boy, Rich. Yeah, we used to we used to have to edit ourselves all the time. One time I got I, I had to cut like 45 minutes of myself. Remember that? I don't. What was that? Uh, it was some Leslie thing. It was some. Um... Oh, you got out of control. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I you know, that. that's it's you know. I, it was a long week that I, <laughs> it annoyed me. So anyway, all right, we're done with the Joy Styles thing. We'll move on. Yeah, whatever uh, Joe, happened to that guy, by the way? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's uh, your guy. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> that's your boy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he. I don't think he still attends Shimmer shows anymore either. So I don't know. Maybe he's out of the out of the loop, I guess. But uh, anyway, Prostak is no longer art for him. But uh, WWE, you want to talk uh, Takeover and Survivor Series? I believe we should now. This NXT thing. They hold the show at the in the theater of Madison Square Garden. Does not draw well. The tickets for Toronto not drawing well. Um, what do you make of this? Now, to me, I, I you know, in a bubble, the MSG thing with NXT, I wouldn't go crazy about that if that were in a ball. You know, midweek show. Um, I believe WWE proper. Just had a show at MSG not they too did, long yeah. ago. Correct? Yeah, I think two, either two or three weeks ago. It's somewhere in that range, but very, very recently. So when you have all those two factors, I, it, it's hard for me to get you know uh, worked up about it or to draw any conclusions. But then when you combine the fact 
that the Toronto Takeover show is having a very hard time pushing tickets. And when you toss in the fact that the NXT tour of Australia, they're doing buy one, get ones now, Rich. I don't know if you saw this today. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Bring a buddy, and they got a picture of Buddy Murphy on the promo uh, shot, that's which right. I think is kind okay, of Okay, never mind. That's pretty sweet. Okay, I'll allow that. But Okay, so they're doing buy one, get ones for this Australia tour, which is not a good sign. So now we've got some mounting evidence that NXT is having some problems drawing some fans. Um, to me, now that's, you know, look, one red flag, I could overlook it. Three giant red flags. I think now we may have a problem here. What do you think about this? Yeah, no, I agree. Because as you were talking about that, I went on Ticketmaster, and I just wanted to see about NXT TakeOver Toronto. And I heard of these rumors that, hey, go on there, and you'll kind of see. Joe, I can get Section S, which is a floor seat, ringside, like right next to this ring, row four seats four and five. Right now, best available tickets that they have for 125 bucks. You and I can go row four, floor next to the ring. Toronto. Row four. In the middle of the row, four, four and five, 125 each next to the That's that, essentially that, ring. That's ringside. That's ringside, yeah. I, I'm four yeah. rows away from ringside. That's not good. <laughs> that is bad. That's really, I saw something really that bad. they haven't even filled the hard camera side, which is going to be – they're going to be moving fans around if they don't push – if they don't sell those tickets. Um, do you think this is general NXT malaise? Do you blame the people, the the wrestlers on top? Uh, because the wrestlers on top in this show have drawn before. Um, so I, it, it's hard for me. I mean, you know, Samoa Joe has headlined takeover shows that have sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was arguably the most over wrestler in the company in Dallas. Um, it, it, these two guys have headlined, uh, you know, the national touring brand of NXT for months and months and have, have, have drawn very well. It just seems to be something that has hit recently. So do you blame those two guys specifically and, and you know, uh, trickling down the rest of the people on the card as well, I guess? Or do you think this is more of a, a, a bigger picture, the NXT fad is starting to die off? What, what do you think? I think more the latter. I think it's more of the, the fad in general sort of wearing off. And I think it, it's not necessarily those two guys. I don't want to blame Nakamura or Samoa Joe because I don't think it's directly them. But I think the whole, whatever NXT is and whatever it's become has changed so rapidly. And, and there's a really good uh, discussion going on right now on our forums, uh, voicewrestling.com slash forums. Uh, people that are live at shows, sort of comparing rosters, looking at all those sort of things. I think when you look at the difference between what NXT was even a year ago, to what it is today, and the kind of the decisions they've made, and the and the way they've booked the TV, and the way they've hired talent, and the way they've acquired new talent, and the way they've developed that new talent, there's a clear difference in what they've sort of done, and I think you can really point to the fact that there was something that kind of happened about a year ago, where this brand ceased to be a... You know, a developmental on the same level that we call it. Yes, of course, there was your Finn Balors, who was probably ready from day one to go on. And there was your Sami Zayn's and your Kevin Owens that were always there before. But what I mean is when you're hiring the Eric Youngs of the world, the Bobby Roods of the world, and those sort of guys. And those guys now are becoming, you know, integral parts of your roster that there is 
there's a uh, an interesting idea there that that is sort of changing what NXT was for and why people watched NXT and what the the appeal of an NXT was to a, to a, a fan. And and I can speak from personal experience. I am way less enthused about NXT now than I I was a year ago uh, or even two years ago. I mean, two years ago was probably my peak with NXT. Now, you know, about a year ago, I was still into it. This year, I'm, I'm really just having a tough time with it because when I see the new talent that comes in, it's this weird blend of... You know, established guys that have been established in other companies. Uh, a Roger Strong. I love a Roger Strong. There's, I have no issue with a Roger Strong coming in NXT, but it doesn't have the same excitement level as here is uh, a Kevin Owens, and we're going to watch him sort of progress to NXT with the idea that he's going to then. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to see his progression from him coming to NXT. He's going to work NXT, and then he's going to go to WWE. So you kind of buy into that little story of him and, and kind of see how he refines himself, how he sort of updates himself. You know, Sami Zayn is the same way. That's an old the El Generico. Okay, how is he going to do? without the mask or whatever okay cool he's fine yeah he was probably there maybe six months too late or longer than he needed to be but still you saw him sort of develop from the moment he came in nxt to when he was ready to leave and you kind of saw that mature uh, maturity level and he went okay cool this guy is done he's now a main roster guy well, i feel good like that you know uh you can go with a cesaro as a guy as well who a little rough around the edges you know a guy who i loved in ring of honor but thought yeah he could use a little bit of you know seasoning here and there by the time he was done it was so obvious that he was ready to go uh to the next level and move on or whatever there are guys um you, you know a, a neville a or whatever, a guy who, you know, we, we loved. We loved him in Dragon Gate. We loved him in the Indies. We knew that that guy could go. He needed a little bit of refinement here and there, and that's what they sort of developed him as. And then, you know, he was ready and kind of molded in the way that they wanted, and then he was sent off. Whereas now you have these guys like an Eric Young. Eric Young is hired to be in NXT. Eric Young is hired to be a good hand in NXT. And that kind of changes the whole complexion of what NXT is. What When you're watching it, now you're watching just a normal WWE brand in my mind. It is just the third brand of WWE as opposed to this alternative thing where it's just a little bit different. It's kind of a different little universe. Uh, the characters act a little bit different. The way they're developed acts a little bit different. And then you know that there's kind of a shelf life on every one of these guys. You know that these guys are here. You know, Finn Balor, yeah, we, we complained and bitched and moaned of how long he was there. But really, what was it? Two and a half years that he was there? That And we, we knew that at the end of this, he was going to move on and that there was going to be something at the end. But now more and more of these guys come in. And it's like a Bobby Roode is just going to be there. Bobby Roode is just there to be there. A Ty Dillinger. I mean, when you look at this takeover card, it's filled with guys that like really are just there to be on NXT. And I think that causes, for some people, I think that, you know, me personally, I'm that same way. I think that causes reservations of, no, I like this idea that it's different. It's an alternative. It works different. It operates different. These guys move up. They move down. They're developed. They're kind of, you know, you're watching minor leaguers. You're watching the next crop of stars, whereas you're getting away from that now where you're just like, you know, here are guys that weren't very, you know, that were, you know, flailing around in TNA. Now they're in NXT. Go cheer for them. And it doesn't work that way. I think they've kind of lost sight of what made NXT work all those years prior. What, what do you think about that? But don't stars draw regardless of everything you just said? Doesn't it just come down to stars draw? And- um, I don't know that it does, though, because I feel like NXT was something a little bit different than that. I feel like NXT was something that people had um, – there was sort of a personal buy-in for NXT. I, I think it operated more on that independent level – of okay, this is these are our guys. These are guys that we've seen sort of rise. We saw Bailey when she first came in, and now we're following. I think I the, like NXT Takeover Brooklyn is a perfect example of that the first one with, with with Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was a lot of those people had said we have followed your guys' story from the beginning, and this is a very emotional. There's much more to this story because we have followed you guys in the beginning because we've followed this feud for a long time. Whereas I don't know if there's that buy-in of an Eric Young, of a Bobby Roode, or of even a Samoa Joe, who I think has, has been great on NXT. But I think there's something to be said for maybe 
people just don't have the same idea of like, oh, this guy isn't just like a, a star that we're watching ascend or a star that we're watching rise or the next level or the next crop or whatever. You're just not really getting that with NXT. It's it's stacked with guys who have been around before. And if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, you've kind of seen a lot of Eric Young. You've seen a lot of Bobby Roode. You've seen a lot of Samoa Joe. Even some people have seen a lot of, uh, of Shinsuke Nakamura. So maybe there isn't that same level of, oh, this is really cool. Oh, this guy's come to our company. That's kind of cool. Let's watch him. You know, watch. let's watch the rise of these stars or whatever. Where now it's just like it's just the third brand, and I think that's I, again I don't know if that's it. I'm talking from my personal experience, but that's sort of where I'm at with NXT. I'm gonna play devil's advocate and maybe not push the panic button. You look at a midweek show in New York City where the main roster was just there, and it's also New York City, which I can tell you uh, from personal experience in New York City, uh, y- you got to be major league. Okay, let me tell you a little story, and you know, this is someone you know too, um, Luke. Remember Luke from uh, from Louisiana? He moved to New York City, and um, big LSU fan, big college football fan. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I was like, who the he, hell? He, yeah, I know. He he moved he moved to Brooklyn. He moved to New York City. His first night in town happened to be the college football national championship game. And I remember him telling me this story, and he said uh, he didn't have his cable yet, and he went down to a local. You know, he went down to and found a, a local bar, and he was going to watch the college football national now national college football national championship game is an enormous deal uh, in this country. You know that. I mean, it, it does enormous ratings everywhere. College football does enormous ratings everywhere, yeah. except New York City. College football never does well in New York City. Very low ratings. People don't care. They like the pros. They like the big yeah, time. That, that, Chicago's the same way it's, too. It's, they yeah, don't it's care that, yeah, yeah. It's that New York City attitude. Okay, so he goes down to the bar to watch the uh, the national championship game, and on every TV in the bar was a random January Knicks Raptors game instead of the college football national championship game, which for someone coming from you know moving into New York from somewhere else, he thought that was absurd. To me, I thought it was normal. I, that's the East Coast attitude. It's you know it's college football. People don't care in New York about college football at all. I can totally understand this meaningless Nick game. What I'm, the point I'm getting to here is you have a midweek NXT show. It's NXT. It's not the main roster. Um, you know, it's in the theater. It's not in Madison Square Garden. Um, then you have Australia. How many network subscribers were in Australia? I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, uh, how many people in Australia religiously follow NXT? I don't know the answer to that question. Then you have Toronto where they're piggybacking Survivor Series. It's Survivor Series. It's not WrestleMania. It's not SummerSlam. It's Survivor Series. Okay? So, just to play devil's advocate, I can, you, you can almost come up with excuses as to why all of these shows are failing. And they're all pretty viable. Could it be a case of NXT and, and the company sort of out kicking their coverage here and thinking they're a bigger deal than they are? With this NXT brand. And, and, and just, you know, look, if you can't sell out a WWE branded show on a WrestleMania or SummerSlam weekend, I think that's a giant problem. They may have gotten too big for their britches here, expanding to a Survivor Series weekend. You see what I'm saying? You think I that's do, yeah. possible? That's a possibility. Uh, it does not, it's not a good possibility if today they announce. Did you see the, the from Darren Ravel? 
uh, at ESPN uh, announced that, and it was a WWE big announcement they were making, uh, WWE is set to roll out a new business model around its four major events, beginning with WrestleMania 33 in April of next year. The organization will bring all other franchises into that same city with shows from those brands surrounding the main event. For example, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown Live will bookend WrestleMania in Orlando, SummerSlam in Brooklyn in New York, uh, in August, Survivor Series in Houston, in November, and a yet-to-be-determined location for the Royal Rumble. So they are going to keep on... So whatever they're doing right now with this, with Survivor Series, this is the thing. This is the model now. The, the WrestleMania model is now a model for every single of those big four, of the Royal Rumble, of Survivor Series, of uh, SummerSlam, and then of, of, uh, of WrestleMania. So... Yeah, that's you know. Would it, it's would not it a great shock you? Would, would, it, would it shock you at all though if the takeover in San Antonio for the Rumble sold out instantly? Um, no, it no. wouldn't. No. See, see, this is why I I certainly see red flags. Believe me, these are red flags for sure. But I'm not ready to make any kind of judgment yet. Oh no, no, I'm not. I, I think yeah, I think we might have to at least see it. If if there's another takeover that doesn't do well, like I the live events, you know what? I I I kind of chalk that up to whatever. I, I think one of the issues for a lot of people as well, and, and I know this from when I went, I tried to go to the Chicago shows, is that a lot of them got snatched up by, you know, secondary ticket markets or whatever, so I didn't even bother. Like, you know, I went to go buy them, and they were so out of control priced because everybody had bought them from the secondary market. So there might be some fatigue of that, of I don't want to chase these tickets, you know, it's a midweek show or whatever. I don't really think, like, I, I, I'm not going to freak out. Again, yeah, I'm not going to freak out about those sort of events. The takeover is the one that I really look at. The takeover, I go, okay, that's in Toronto, a, a, a town that's a predominantly good WWE town, a very good wrestling town in general, a town that hasn't had a WWE pay-per-view in quite a few years that is now getting not only a pay-per-view which again like survivor series is kind of whatever uh i i don't know if it's that huge of a draw though i think you, it, you know what though rich you're but... asking people to buy four wrestling tickets in one weekend you are yes and that so, and what are they gonna cut out mm-hmm. you know what i mean you're asking them you're raw asking is what i would cut out but you know no, but i mean look yeah, no the, the average WWE network yeah we're, we're not a network subscriber the, you know the average universe fan that we always talk about you're asking people to buy four tickets in one weekend and if what if you're a family Okay, you're asking people to buy 12 tickets in one weekend, okay, to four different shows. And it, again, it's Survivor Series. You're not getting international travelers coming in. Right. I you're not getting people yeah, yeah. from across North America and across the United States and Canada coming in. I could easily see why this takeover would struggle compared to some of the others. And again, I have no idea how popular NXT is in Australia. I really think there's a possibility that they're simply outkicking their coverage here, and they got a little too bold for what NXT really is. And maybe they were fooled by these packed, enthusiastic houses that they're drawing in, on SummerSlam and WrestleMania weekends. But I mean, Rich, that's easy. The, the people are already there. Right. They're and there they're for wrestling. wrestling. A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them are – the same people that are going to Evolve or going to NXT TakeOver. You know what I mean? Like there's a whole different crop of fans. And there's there. thousands of people that go to SummerSlam and WrestleMania weekend. This is their vacation every year. They're, they're willing – they're going to eight different shows in some cases, WrestleMania. These people are willing to spend money. That's why they're there. Survivor Series weekend's a completely different dynamic. Nobody's planning their work vacation around going to see Survivor Series in Toronto. I can promise you that. So you're really just drawing from Toronto. And it's a lot to ask now with this new model that you just talked about to ask people in these cities to buy tickets to four different events in four days and then go to – people have lives. I mean, you know, you're asking people to go see wrestling four nights in a row. Something's got to give. So, I mean, all I'm saying is you can come up with reasonable excuses – 
as to why somebody uh, as to why these tickets aren't selling. Right. And I think one of the things that 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 and you kind of alluded to it as well. Of course, WrestleMania weekend sort of its special thing. Wherever you put WrestleMania weekend, a bunch of people are going to descend on it. A bunch of people are going to go. A bunch of people are going to enjoy it. Like you said, they're going to pour out their wallets. They're going to take a bunch of days off work. That's a vacation for them. That's a thing. And you're going to get people from all across the world. And SummerSlam, which I think might have been the issue, is you know you have these NXT Takeover Brooklyn shows, and those do show so well piggybacking on a SummerSlam that they might have went, oh, we got something here. But you got to think of these a little bit more. That okay, that's in New York too. That's your that's one that's your big market. That's a huge gigantic market for your brand, for your company, for, you know, wrestling in general. That's New York City. That's that you got a lot more people to pick from. Whereas now we're talking Toronto. Like so you said it would it shock me if it sells out in, in, in San Antonio in two seconds. And it wouldn't, but I also maybe I'll ask you, would it shock you if it doesn't sell out in San Antonio? Because it's the Royal Rumble and it's San Antonio. And it's not a thing that again people are 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 distru- are disrupting their lives to go to Royal Rumble in San Antonio. So it might be a thing. Yeah, where- again, again, it's like uh, Royal Rumble's a bigger event than Survivor Series, but again, I, I neither would surprise me. Honestly, I, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's it, it, the Survivor Series thing gives me pause before I start shoveling the dirt on the NXT brand. It's Survivor Series, and if WWE is going to rebuild Survivor Series, that's one thing. But they've told us for how many years that <laughs> I it's mean, they've not... really been. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the other thing that's funny too is that all of a sudden now they're like Survivor Series, one of the big four pay per views, and I was like, you guys literally said it wasn't one of your big four, right. like like five, like three years ago it wasn't a big four, and like for the past decade it really hasn't been a quote unquote big four, but now all of a sudden it is again because you yeah. want it to be. So, so I mean, I you know I don't know. Like I said, these are certainly red flags. But I need more evidence here. And the people on top have drawn for that brand before. Uh, and there's evidence that those people are over. So I, I don't – what about this, Rich? What about the people who aren't on the show? Bailey, Sasha Banks, Finn Bauer, the people who carried the brand during its hottest period not being there. Do you think right. that's a factor? I do do yeah, you think I, the people on the shows are a factor at all or do you think it's just the brand um, that's either going to carry it or lose its cachet and, and stop carrying it? I think there's – I guess – I don't know if we're at the level now where it's just a brand by itself. I do think that there are something of watching those sort of stars. I think there was a a nice connection of those stars and the brand at the same time that sort of developed that way. That now that all of them are gone, I don't know if they've replaced them. And now maybe the brand is suffering a little bit in that sense. I think you can absolutely make that case that that is is sort of happening. So I think it's 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 kind of a cop out answer, but I think it's a little bit of both. I think the brand was developed with those people sort of as the the the, the flagpoles of it or whatever, or the the real kind of you know big time stars of that brand or whatever. And I think maybe you could have drawn that brand based off you, you know just Finn Balor being there, but not Bailey or not Sasha Banks or whatever, or not you know just Sasha Banks is going to be there, but not you know Balor or Bailey or whatever. So you can argue that yeah, the brand had a little bit to do with that and a little bit to help sort of that. that that develop, but I think that those people were very important to it. Your Sami Zayn's, your Kevin Owens's, your Finn Balor, your Bailey's, your Sasha Banks's. I think that was a crop that just came at the exact right time for that brand to get over the way it did. So I do think that there there is an issue with them not being the people on top anymore, and maybe the people on top not having that same sort of cachet. But I think also there's the fatigue of the brand a little bit in that sense too, where because it's been so long since you've had any one of those people that really connected because for all it's worth, you know, Samojo, yeah, he, he's connecting on a little bit of a level, but I don't know that he's connecting on the level that a Finn Balor or a, a Bailey or a Sasha Banks or even a Kevin Owens did or whatever. And I don't know if a Nakamura shockingly is either. And I think we'll, we'll talk about that when we kind of preview NXT TakeOver. I don't think they've done a very good job with Nakamura <laughs> as well. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that could be another issue as well where there's just not that same connection between the fans and the brand of NXT because those stars aren't making that same connection as well. So I think it, it can be both, I think. 
What about the NXT TV just not being very good for well, last? Well, it's not. Yeah, and well, I think one of the things, though, if, if people do forget, and I think we were always saying this as well, and when I was reviewing, I, I, I used to do weekly reviews of NXT for the show, uh, or for this website, rather, and I would always say that everybody has this idea that every episode of NXT TV is great, and it's never been very good. It's very simple. That's what we've always said. It's a very simple one hour to watch. You're never going to sit down for an hour and go, oh my god, what an hour of television I just watched. That's incredible. You're usually going to go away going, oh, cool, that, they did a lot of good stuff there. They built up that story. I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for X. I can't wait for TakeOver. I can't wait for the end of the Dusty Road Classic or whatever. That's what always the NXT TV was. It was old school, 605 style, compact hour where they tell very basic stories and get very basic characters over. And then you were in and out in an hour and it was it was good to go. It was never a great show. Do I think the quality has gone down a little bit You know, in the last you know six months or whatever? I do, but I don't think that the quality was ever that great. People have this grandiose idea that every time you turn on you know, NXT TV, it was this awesome show and oh my God. like It wasn't like the Cruiserweight Classic. That wasn't an hour of, oh my God, what am I watching every week? This is incredible. NXT was never that. It was squash matches and really good promos, a really good in-ring you know, uh, discussion. So it was never a great show. It was, a well-booked, it was a well-booked old school studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was never a spectacular show, and it's not spectacular now either. Is it a little bit worse? Yeah, but I don't know that it's like that much worse. I don't know if it's the drop-off of, oh my god, I used to love this TV, now I hate it. You could argue, though, that there was a little bit more of an interest level in the characters of the TV of those years prior, where there isn't now. You can absolutely make that argument, but I don't know if the, the the pure like in a vacuum quality of the TV show has really deteriorated all that much. I think it's it, it's it's what it's always been. I just don't have the same buy-in with the characters, and I wonder if a lot of people also don't have that same thing as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of possible contributing factors. Um, I, you know, uh, lousy TV or at you know at best boring TV. Um, the Dusty Classic has not been good. Um, the TV hasn't been great. Exiting stars that 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 maybe people liked a lot, whether it was your Bailey's, your Sasha Banks, your Finn Balor's, you you know, you name whoever you want to name. Um, just general, the the brand just isn't the thing that it was before. I mean, something it's just not the trendy thing that it used to be, or it could be some of the things that I named before that are specific to each market. I don't know. Um, again, I need more data. I, I'm not I'm not ready to cast a judgment yet. So, you know, we'll see if the trend continues, uh, then maybe we can examine why. But, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to add. Hey, let's, uh, let's go over the show here real quick because uh, we have a preview up right now on uh, voicewrestling.com if you want to check that out. It's me and uh, Jeff Hawkins sort of previewed the show. I did a binge watch of about the last five <laughs> episodes of NXT because it's one of the things where I kind of got caught behind. And I was like, ah, okay, I, I got time, I got time. And then TakeOver came and I went, oh, shit, I don't have time. I better get going here. So let's, uh, let's talk about this card, though. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do zero to ten on these guys, or uh, how caught up are you with NXT TV? Are you 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 all good now? I know what's going on, yeah. Okay, yeah. Last week, there. I mean, this week's show didn't really have a whole lot uh, to really uh, unpack. It was mostly just kind of building up, and then a few like you know Cedric Alexander and Cena Almas or whatever had a match. But well, as I said, I thought I think the Dusty Classic is stunk. I don't know. Uh, about it was not. Know. It's not been good. You know, last year's was fantastic. This year was pretty shitty. Yeah, last year's definitely had more juice. Um. This year seems to it doesn't have any juice. There's no buzz whatsoever, and I mean, really, I mean, what's the best match you've seen in the Dusty? Have any of these matches had any buzz? I, you know, what, I'll be honest. I don't know that I can come up with one match. You know, there, like, there, and it's that bad. I don't know that there's a match that I went. Yeah, you know what? That's my answer. I, there's nothing buzzworthy. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a singles match to move a team along. I mean, I, it's just you know, and I know that was out of their hands a little bit, but 
Um, the dusty, you know, and the TV, I mean, again, it's been functional and it's made sense, but it, it, there's just been nothing to write home about on the TV. Uh, the TV just has, it hasn't been good. I mean, that's all there is to it. Uh, all right, let's break down this card here a little bit. Uh, first match we got is the two out of three falls for the NXT Tag Team Championships. This is the Revival, the champion Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, defending against DIY, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. What do you think about this match? I mean, the ceiling on this is a match of the year. Yeah, oh yeah. And the floor on this is like four stars. I'd be shocked if this is less than. Oh, it's four not going to be bad. There's no. I mean, there there is other than a guy blowing his knee out in like the first minute of the match. There's no way this match is bad. I mean, it's you bad. know, so I, I I just just the, their history together in matches against each other and this the stakes and you know it's it's it it, it feels like a, a rivalry. It's it's a long term rivalry. I, I don't see any again, like you said, unless disaster strikes. This is going to be a great match, and and the, the ceiling I think is a match of the year contender. Yeah, I, I'm at that level as well. I, I think that there's just there's just literally no chance that it's not good. Like it's going to be great. Uh, both these guys, I mean, uh, both these teams rather, just the chemistry between the two. We've seen it before. We saw it at Takeover Brooklyn too. We've seen it any other time that these guys have gotten in the ring and any combination of them that they're just they're just great. So there's just there's there's no chance that you're not going to come away for the show saying that. I, I I think that this is a shoe in for match of the night. We'll see if Nakamura and Samoa Joe maybe deliver on a big level or, or, or I, I don't know if there's another one on the show that it can even top that. But no, I mean this is going to be great, and I, I think. I don't know when it's going to be on the show. I don't know if it's going to open. They've kind of listed it as the fifth match. I have no idea. I just hope it gets a lot of time because they deserve 20 minutes plus. They deserve a half an hour, whatever they have to do to tell this two out of three fall story. Uh, but I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be great. Uh, the finish, I I kind of feel like Gargano and Ciampa are going to win. What do you think? I don't really have a read on the finish. Uh, if you put a gun to my head, I think Gargano and, and, and Ciampa will win the match. I do think it's going to get time, though, because I think there's three matches here that I don't think are going to get a lot of time at all. So I do think that the main event and this match are going to get uh, plenty of time. I, I, I'm not worried about that at all. I'll move on to the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Class, the aforementioned Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Class. You have the Authors of Pain versus TM61 with the stipulation that Paul Ellering, the uh, Authors of Pain manager, will be suspended above the ring inside of a cage. I mean, is this, this is this 1987? Is this 1987? What are we doing? Too? The setup was really weird. Like, Ellering, like, interfered once, and William Regal's like, you know what? I'm putting you in a cage inside the ring. I'm like, that seems a little, like, I feel like we kind of jumped the gun there, Regal. Like, maybe let's I let the guy, was... like, interfere in matches for, like, a year before we realize, all right, you've had enough, sir. You need to be in a cage. But, yeah, it was kind of odd that they went to that level. This was probably place. Ellering's idea since it's straight oh, out of, God, like, yeah. 1986 Crockett. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Does this really do anything for anyone having a manager in a cage in 2016 suspended above the ring? I mean, this is just so goofy. Um, look, TM61, they've got their work cut out for them. You have two big green dudes in a pretty high profile match. I expect Authors of Pain to win. I do too. I think there's no question that they're going to win. Um, you know, L Ring being up in the cage gives me slight pause that maybe they want to tell the story that these guys can't win without him. But look, they won without him before. It's like you said, it was that one time. <laughs> I interfered once. Like, I put him in a cage. Get him out of here. Yeah. So, you know, um, do I think it'll be any kind of great match? No. I mean, do I think it could be a good match? Maybe. Um, look, it's like when you load up your developmental show with worldwide quality 20-year superstars, it really does a lot of damage to guys like Authors of Pain because they stick out like sore thumbs. 
Um, that's sort of the rub here, where you have this show loaded with experience. Look, look at the rest of the people on this show. I mean, they're all great workers. And then you have these two guys, and it's really not fair to them. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think I think those guys have some potential, but, you know, they're real athletes and all that. But, um, you know, they're, they're very, very green. Um, we'll move on to Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger. I, I, the build of this match, I, I didn't think I was going to like as much as I have. And then as, as I've kind of rewatched a little bit of the the TV and I uh, kind of thought about the story a little bit, I really do like the story. I don't know that the match is going to be any good. I think the crowd's going to be hot for it just because both these guys have, you know, entrances and chants or whatever that the crowd's going to get way into. I don't think the match itself is going to be all great shakes, but I really do like the story and I do think the crowd's going to be hot. So I, I, I'm interested to see how it kind of develops from that. Yeah, I mean, Root is super over. It's in Canada. They're going to explode for him. Um, and it should be a good match. I just don't, you know, I, I, I think Root will win a nice, tidy seven to eight minute match is what I think. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, Dillinger's not going to win at all. I mean, it's obviously going to be Root. And he, and he shouldn't. And he no, shouldn't that's win. not Ty Dillinger's role or whatever. So, no, I like it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, I, this is the one, like, every takeover has this sort of match that we talk about. Not everyone is a is a knockout drag out, you know, oh, let's see, both these guys can go in here and they can win. Sometimes they just have, and, and unfortunately, often Ty Dillinger is in that match where they have a match. Uh, it used to be the old uh, C.J. Parker role where, like, the guy comes in and he just beats him in six minutes, and that's kind of it. And it's like Bobby Roode will prove his dominance against Ty Dillinger, and I absolutely think that that's what's going to happen here. I do love what they're doing with the Rude character. I think I'm a little bit, and this kind of goes to the NXT Malays thing a little bit, is that, yeah, while I think Rude is super over, and while it's interesting as well, I have a tough time buying in to see, oh my god, I wonder what's going to happen with Bobby Rude. I wonder what the progression over the next year of Bobby Rude is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I have that sort of reservation a little bit um, for Rude. So, yeah, I, I, I think I like his character, and I like how they've built this up, but yeah, I, I do have a little bit of questions about how they're going to build that, um, or how that match is going to kind of play out a little bit, and what, what the future holds for Bobby Roode in NXT as well. Yeah, I think Bobby Roode, they're setting him up to for, for Nakamura, is how I see it. Okay. I think that's what's next for him. Because I think Nakamura's winning the main event. I don't know about you. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll skip. Well, we're not going to skip to that, but yeah. You're going gonna, to gonna leave them in suspense, Rich, as we... Uh, yeah, okay. All right. You know, you got it. You have to have a hook. Exactly. Don't let yeah, them this, tune this, out. This real. <laughs> this, this is what's obviously looking up to the show. Uh, NXT Women's Championship. Asuka defending her title against Mickey James. Look, stuff like this is fun. I have no problem bringing in Mickey James. Look, it's like if this is what the brand is going to be, then it's fine. I, I I don't mind this. And Mickey James was uh, a pretty damn good, you know, wrestler in her time. Um. Now, what should this be? This should be Asuka beating the shit out of her with one or two hope spots and Asuka pretty much, you know, uh, with, with, with another dominant win. I, you know, Mickey James should not take Asuka to the limit um, whatsoever here. Um, she should get a couple hope spots and, and that's about it. So I'm curious to see if, if that's, you know, how they work this from that perspective. I, I loved the Asuka matches with Bailey, I love those matches. I, I I put those matches on the same level as as the vintage NXT uh, female matches. I know most people don't. I love them because they were so different. And I love what Asuka brings to the table, and I thought Bailey was a good opponent from that perspective. So I hope it's similar to that, where really, and even more dominant than she was against Bailey. I hope she she just she should just dominate this match and and then maybe have you know do the old new japan deal where where where, where ember moon comes down to do the stare off or something like that maybe that because that's clearly the direction they're going eventually 
Um, but I think this should be a fairly dominant win. So, uh, NXT Championship, uh, the main event, as you mentioned, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Samoa Joe. Uh, first off, you, you kind of mentioned that you think Nakamura is going to win. I do agree that Nakamura is going to win. Uh, so I'll ask you two questions here. Uh, first, I'll ask, what did you think of this build so far? Um, and then two, what's next for Samoa Joe? Is this the the end of the line? An NXT that's for that's Joe, a big question. Or does he kind of go to the bottom? Yeah, does he kind of then go back to the mid-card and just kind of do whatever? Like, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I don't know. That's an excellent question because if he does lose, then what do you do with him? And uh, does he go to the main round? Look. Because I think he's losing. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt that he's losing. I mean, it makes no sense that he would win this. Wouldn't make any sense um, to, to, to drag this out further unless unless there's been a big change of plans and they want to bring Nakamura up. But, you know, it, it seems like, you know, the last we heard, he they want him to be the face of the brand. So he's not going anywhere, which I think is insanely stupid which we've talked about ad nauseum, and I'm not going to put anybody through it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's nonsense. It's a complete waste of an asset. Um, I think it's a complete waste of an asset to have Samoa Joe down here too. So maybe if he loses, uh, they do bring him up. I would love to see Samoa Joe um, have a feud with with Roman with someone like Roman Reigns. I think that would be great. I would love to see uh, Samoa Joe mix it up with someone like Rusev. How awesome would that be? Um there's a lot of different things I like to see Samoa Joe do on the main roster. And if he does lose to Nakamura, there's really not much left for him here. <coughs> I'm oh, sorry, man. I'm dying. dying. No, you're not apologize, sir. That cookie puss. So is it possible that somebody uh, put something in your cookie puss? I was done anyway. Take over. I need water. <laughs> take over NXT TakeOver. I don't know. You were done, but we have nothing else. To do. Now we got to move on to another topic. So uh, that's NXT TakeOver Toronto. We'll have a review going on up on the website uh, as the, uh, the show's progressing. As well. so, the only other thing I wanted oh, to say about you that, you weren't match. done. See, I am sorry, I'm back. I, yeah, I knew I, damn well you weren't done. That's why I didn't move on. I, w- I was choking to death, man. Have some sympathy. Um, <laughs> as far as the build, because you asked me about the build, You're right? Yeah, I did. I know, questions, and you. Well, I started to die. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess. All right, I, I, I'm questioning how committed you are to the show. I mean, you say you are, but then you know, I'm I'm half dead and I'm doing the show. <laughs> I've got the flu. I should be in. I should be in bed. I feel like, um, yeah, you sounded awful. You, I, I feel like I'm going to get sick just talking to you uh, here on this it's, mic. It's really I, bad, and I know it was from the plane. I, I, I just know it was from I'm that always plane. sick on planes, too. I hate planes. Planes are the worst thing ever. <sighs> they I, really I, are. I cannot stand taking flights anymore. I used to enjoy it. Now I, I, can, I despise it now. Ugh, I'm choking again. So, um, yeah, the build. Look, I don't have a problem with the build. I like these two guys. The only thing that I get a little bit of pause is their first match wasn't great. It was good. And... These two guys really should be having great matches. They shouldn't be having good matches. They should find a way, with all their experience, and as good as they are, to have great matches. And I'll tell you something else, and I don't know if anyone else has brought this up, and I want your opinion on this before we move on. I think Nakamura's bored. He comes off to me like a guy who is not excited and is not motivated in what he's doing when I see him on TV. I think he's bored. I don't think he wants to be here. Um, I think he would, you know, well, who wouldn't? But I think he would prefer to be mixing it up on Raw or SmackDown and, you know, in there with your John Cena's and, and, and your AJ Styles and your and, and whoever else. And I, I don't, I, to me, he looks like a guy who's sleepwalking. And with him, it's always obvious when he's bored. Yes, we, we and, knew that and years to ago. Me, you could tell years ago. <laughs> you yeah. know, in New Japan, you could tell. Okay, there's not where he's You knew when he wasn't into a match. You know, it was and called the World like, Tag League usually. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's the vibe I'm picking up from him when I watch him. I don't see a guy 
who's excited about what he's doing. Like when he first came in, it was very obvious he was excited. I don't get that feeling from him anymore. I feel like Nakamura is bored. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily that he's bored, but it might be that he realizes that the the thing that gets him the most over is just him being him, him making funny faces, him his mannerisms, his entrance, his entrance music or whatever. That maybe he doesn't feel like he has to go that next level because it doesn't really matter right now. That the that the crowd still likes him just for him being Nakamura, and that the brand is surrounded. You know, the brand like you said it, it is built around him just being a Nakamura. Like there's really not been a ton of background of why do you care about Nakamura? Why should you care about Nakamura? What kind of uh, standout matches has Nakamura had other than you know the first match against Sami Zayn or whatever? What, what has he done in the brand that's really made a lot of people, you know, really pay attention to him other than the fact that he's just Shinsuke Nakamura? And that's kind of what they said is like, hey, it's Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay, now you cheer for him. So I do wonder, I don't know if that he's necessarily bored um, or that he just kind of realizes that he can do the bare minimum and it doesn't matter here. That it, it's, it's you know, at a point, I guess you can call that bored though too. I, I don't know if it's necessarily that he's, because I don't, I don't get the idea that he's sulking or that he's unhappy or whatever. And I don't know if you're necessarily saying that with board, but just the idea that he knows that he can just go through the motions and it doesn't really matter. Not that he necessarily hates that he's in NXT, not necessarily that he hates his life, that necessarily he wants to go back to Japan or he, you know, tomorrow demands to go on Raw or whatever, or that he just realizes, you know, I don't really have to do a whole lot. I can just kind of coast and, and it's fine and that's all I need to do here. I, I don't know. I guess you can call that board if you want. Um yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I. When you say bored, though, Joe, maybe I'll ask you. Do you mean? Do you mean that in a negative connotation, or do you mean is there a possible to just be bored and understand that you know take that positively, where where you know maybe not positively or neutrally, where you're bored, but it's just kind of a boredom of I don't really have to go the extra mile here. I can just kind of be myself and do whatever, and that's fine, and that gets me over enough. Or do you see bored as a negative thing of I want to be on Raw tomorrow? This sucks. I think from the perspective of I don't think he feels like he's being challenged. Okay, this yeah, I can do that, yeah. Is, this is too easy for him, is is sort of how I see it, is how is sort of the vibe I'm getting from him. Almost like, look, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for Full Sail. I didn't sign up for Largo. I didn't leave my life behind and start over fresh halfway across the world, um, you know, to 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 headline the, the C brand. Um, I, I think he wanted to come here to truly become a worldwide superstar in the biggest company. And I, he just he comes off to me like a guy who those are the sort of the things that are going through his head. And he's been bigger than this before. You know what I mean? Like this, right. is, be, this is beneath where he was in a lot of ways. Sure, he's with WWE, but he's wrestling in front of 200 people a night. And then four times a year, he gets to wrestle in a big arena. It's like this This is almost beneath the, the level he was coming from. I, I'm not so sure. He just comes off to me like a guy who, 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 who this is not what he was expecting when he came here. I, I don't see that spark in his work. I definitely I, don't I, see I, that. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily that that. It's an since the, since the Zane match, has there, there no been spark. any kind of spark? There's nothing. No, and, and even if you watch his promos, if you watch his work, you watch his, his entrances, all that sort of stuff is like 
he's going through the motions right now. And I don't know if that's necessarily the idea that, hey, this is cool. I get to go through the motions and I don't really have to try that much. Or this sucks. I only have to go through. I'm, I'm just going through the motions because I don't care. That's where I have the big question is I don't know where the line is separate. I don't know if he enjoys just doing the bare minimum or just going through the motions. I don't know that. But you're saying the idea that he come in, that he wants to be an international superstar. I do believe that. So, yeah, there, you, I, I think your, your, your theory does maybe have something there. So, I, I it, it's, it's really interesting. But, yeah, this will be a huge match for him because if it's just another okay Nakamura match, then you have to kind of have the idea of, um, you know, you had said, is it some of the stars of NXT that's maybe not attracting the fans or maybe they're not connecting with them on that level? You know, if he has just another okay match, then maybe you do point out and go, okay, maybe the Nakamura thing is not all that we thought it was. Maybe the Nakamura thing is not going to draw just because he's Shinsuke Nakamura and he's got to deliver big-time matches and he has to be motivated to deliver those big-time matches. Or, you know, if he's just a guy going through the motions, are people going to be paying $125 to sit ringside to watch him just go through the motions? Are people going to want to pay if he's always going to be the headliner and you know that you're not going to get top-tier matches out of him because he's not motivated? Then you really have a big question here. And if he does deliver another dud, I I don't know. I mean, not I shouldn't say a dud. Their last match was good. It just wasn't... I mean, there's an expectation now of an NXT main event that it has to be great. And that's, that's a good expectation to have because that's that's what sold tickets a lot to NXT shows as well is the idea that I'm going to sit down here for two hours and I'm going to see great wrestling. I'm going to see developmental. I'm going to see guys that I care about and characters that I care about. But at the end of the day, I'm going to see a really, really good match in the main event. I'm going to see a really good women's match. And you're not getting that as much anymore. They've kind of lost... You know, to, to, to circle back, I mean, you look at this card and it's a pretty great card on paper. It is. So... It's it's it, it could just be that you know it's it's you know look we know in this business and we even know just just in society really sometimes things get hot and then they cool off you know maybe NXT just isn't a a thing and it maybe it just you know it's it just it's it's not the hot thing with cachet that it was before and it, maybe it has nothing to do with who's on the shows or or how bad the TV is, maybe just it, 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 it had its time and it peaked, and it's not special, and it's not different and special anymore, now it's routine. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Remember how different the takeovers felt at first? And how excited we were and the anticipation for them because they were different and they were unique? Well, now it's almost old hat. We know that every three months we're getting one. And it's been, what, three years now since the first one? Yeah. It doesn't, God, maybe more than that. Is it four years now? Yeah, the Cesaro Zayn match that kicked off the first the first live match on the network. What was that? When, when was the network? Two or three That's, years ago, right? Yeah, it was February twenty. I know it was on my birthday, but uh, what was it? Two thousand fourteen, right? Was it two thousand fourteen? Yeah, it was two thousand thirteen. It might was it? I don't know. Let me let me find out here. I guess it's got idea to look that up. Oh, I forget it wasn't Takeover. What the hell was it? Arrival, two thousand fourteen, February twenty seventh, two thousand fourteen. So okay, February two thousand fourteen. Yeah, so almost three years. There's yeah, been three I, years of, yeah. There's been three full years of these things. It's you know it's it's not special anymore. It's not it's it's just it's part of the WWE routine now. So you know maybe that has, I don't know. Well, maybe that has something to do with it. Because on paper it's you know actually on paper this is probably a hell of a lot better than the first few. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you really look at it, and like we're kind of there was ignoring, a lot of I mean, junk like, on those first. There few. was. I mean, the revival in DIY is going to be great. I think. Asuka and Mickey James has the potential to be really good, and this Nakamura Joe has the potential to be really good. But yeah, I think that there's I, maybe there's just not this. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I'm kind of looking at you know we always do this when we come to the takeovers and we look at these old cards or whatever. 
I, I do wonder, though, if there's not that draw that you know that the main event is going to be an incredible match. Because you kind of did know that. Regardless, I mean, obviously, Bo Dallas and Andrew Neville wasn't. But after that, the Andrew Neville-Tyson Kidd was a very good one. Uh, the four-way match with, with uh, Neville Kidd, Zayn, and Breeze was a very good main event. Uh, Neville and Zayn was a fantastic main event. Um, those Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens matches, were they, they were kind of more story matches in that level. And then you had Finn Balor-Kevin Owens, which was a fantastic match. Uh, Bailey versus Banks uh, for the respect that was a real bit. So, yeah, you had all the women's matches underneath, right? Too, so and... you you kind of were guaranteed two really awesome matches. Where now I think you're guaranteed at least one really great match on this show, but maybe maybe that's not the same level. Maybe the because it's not the star driven. It's just the tag titles and it's the revival and and, and I don't know. It's see, I don't I don't think I don't on. I don't think match quality is a problem because I think you're going to get. I, I mean, again, on paper, I think these recent shows are more impressive. The, the early shows had a lot of junk on them too, that people just forget about. Because that's oh, not what yeah. jumps out in your brain. You know what I mean? Uh, squash matches and just, you know, um, bad developmental. Ma- so I don't think match quality is the issue. And it rarely ever is. So it's something else. I just don't think it's it feels special or different anymore. It's just part of the, it's part of the machine. Right. And and maybe, maybe it was smarter to just keep these takeovers at WrestleMania weekend and SummerSlam weekends, since those are such enormous weekends, maybe expanding them to these other weekends is going to prove to be a mistake because you're just making it, you're removing what was special about it. Because now it's just, it used to feel different. Than, you had people making the argument that it was a separate promotion. Remember that? Like these oh, yeah, it was, the number two, it was the number two promotion in the, in the, in the world at a point. Yeah, because it, it really did feel separate. You know? It doesn't anymore. It doesn't at all. Maybe they're just tying it in too much at this point. I, yeah, I, 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 I think don't... there's something to be said maybe as well for the arenas of it being just in a big – I think there was something that was kind of cool about it being in a Full Sail University, of it sure. being in the, the KL Ray Hutchinson's whatever the fuck place in Dallas that was or whatever, where now it's just in a hockey arena. And maybe that annoys people. You know what I mean? Like it's just in wherever Raw's at. And that – I don't know. Maybe that doesn't have the same – kind of underground different vibe that you're talking about. I think there is a big part of NXT not being an alternative, NXT not being different. It's just, as you said, you said it earlier when you were talking about Nakamura, it's just the C brand and that's, you know, okay, but it's not, it doesn't feel different. It just feels like it's the third brand for WWE and it didn't it, for a long time. It used time. to feel like something separate that was the best thing happening. Right. You were watching NXT, which was different than, you got the WWE Network and NXT just happened to be on it, but it felt different. It felt like it wasn't WWE. Like you said, there were people that, albeit stupid people, saying that it was a separate brand, but it did. For, you, If you honestly made that argument now, people would laugh at you. Like They wouldn't even listen to it for a second where there was a time where people could almost kind of fathom it to an extent where I, I don't know if you can do that anymore. So it's interesting. There's a lot of factors. I, I think we, uh, again, I think the overarching thought from both of us is that we can't, we can't determine it from Toronto. We can't determine it from right now or how shows in New York or whatever. But we'll see. When the Royal Rumble comes by, and maybe if that doesn't sell out all that well, then we have to look at it and go, okay, is this just a WrestleMania weekend thing? Is this just a SummerSlam weekend thing? Is is it not sustainable? So it'll be really interesting. I'll have all eyes on that NXT takeover uh, during the Rumble. I think that will be a huge sign of of where this brand is and where it's going to go in the future as well. Survivor Series. You ready for this hot... This is. I don't think this is gonna be very good. Our, our I'm pumped up for this. Are you okay? Uh, I hope you are, cause I, because I listen. We all know. <laughs> we all know that Rich Krejci hates elimination matches. You can't stand them. It's true, right? And I'm and I'm a big fan of elimination matches. So I'm pumped up because I'm getting four big time elimination matches. I'm getting two really cool title matches, and then a you know the main event, which will at least be <laughs> unique. I right. mean, you get Goldberg coming back. I think, I'm, you know? I think I'm looking forward to the main event more than you are. Not because I think it's going to be good, because I think it's going to be an absolute train wreck. So I want to see how bad of a train wreck it is. It absolutely could be a train wreck, but I like a good elimination. Let me tell you, 
I'm into these elimination matches. I'm pumped up for this, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for roll-ups and double count-outs. <laughs> double DQs. Guys just coming in with chairs and hitting people for no reason. Like, what are you doing? Guys getting pinned via scoop slam. Yeah. Now, look. Look, we all know that that's how it was many years yeah, ago. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Now they're now the matches I, I will readily admit that the, the elimination matches now are fine. Like they're they're pretty good now because people bust their ass and they want to have a good match. Yeah. But Shree did not want to have a good match. Well, I mean th- that was a... wanted to get in and out of there as soon as humanly possible. So. I don't know if you read my post I made on our forums. I did, yeah. You, you nailed but, it. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll repeat it here because I'm sure, you know, 10 people read it. But um I think with the old elimination matches at Survivor Series, you know, it's Thanksgiving. It was the end of a tour. Guys wanted to go home. And they were all workers back then. They weren't, they were all just, they were businessmen. They saw that as, wow, I'm going to match with 10 other guys. I've been on tour for 68 straight days. I can take it easy here. I'm not going to go in here and it's an elimination match and bust my ass. Whereas, which, which is why you saw a lot of, you know, guys get in the ring for two minutes, get eliminated with a roll-up or a scoop slam or a lazy double count out, or whatever the case may be. Whereas now you have wrestlers who grew up as fans. Those guys in the 80s didn't grow up as fans. They did that because it was a way to make money. Um, you know, and, and, and now you have wrestlers who grew up as fans who take pride in their performances. So you don't see as many of, uh, you know, of, of the cheap finishes or the cheap eliminations in these, in these uh, elimination, modern-day elimination matches that you saw then. Because, you know, look, this is a big complaint a lot of people have. Wrestlers talk, you know, talking about stealing the show. And, and, and that bothers a lot of people because, you know, it's, it's like a kayfabe-breaking thing. Yeah. A wrestler's objective shouldn't be to steal the show. It should be to win the fucking match. They should be talking like they're competitors. But these guys take pride in their performances now. So, you know, we joke about it a lot. But I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of those old-school 1989-style eliminations yeah, in these no. matches. The guys work harder now. Well, and you mentioned, like, Survivor Series of it being, like, the end of the tour and all that sort of stuff. I mean, watch a WrestleMania. I mean, like, they, that WrestleMania was just another stop on the tour for them. Like, That's yeah, right. It was a big Absolutely. deal, but, like, they didn't It really, was just like... the biggest – it was their biggest payday of the year, but they just saw it as another show. Right. Like, those guys weren't busting their ass. I would go watch, you know, no. WrestleMania 2. Those guys are not going, oh, my God, we're at, we're at WrestleMania thing simulcast. Let's, let's bust our – I mean, no, they didn't care. It was just another – you know, <laughs> it was just it was nothing. A nice, it was a nice payday. Yeah, exactly. That's, no. that's, that's it. Now everybody's goal is to do something memorable or to have a great match or yeah, because they a moment. I'm going to create a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause these guys are our age and they grew up watching it and, and they, they grew up with WrestleMania being this, you know, larger than life thing. The guys in the eighties, this is another, yeah, like you said, it's just another tour stop, you know? So yeah, the, the, the work rate was definitely different than and now. And you know, um, I, I think that'll be reflected here, hopefully. I mean, look, there's going to be a lot of bullshit in these matches because it's WWE and they overbooked the shit out of everything. Um, but I, look, I I think, I, I always say this, I think a well-booked elimination match is just uh, the best way. You can do so many different yeah. things and and do so many, you know, end stories, begin new stories, uh, get guys over. Oh, you can build, so you can build all things. WrestleMania with it. I mean, they used to. I mean, in those 87, 88, I mean, they used to build the undercard of a WrestleMania off Survivor Series finishes and eliminations and that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, but I mean, it, it all depends how hard that they want to work in booking these matches and, and what kind of stories they want to get over. I'm sure, you know, one or two of them will probably really stink. But I have a feeling, you know, one or two of them will be super heated and, 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 and be excellent as well. It's just a matter of which ones. 
right, let's, uh, let's do a zero to 10 game with uh, this entire card here. So we'll start with the Intercontinental Championship match. It's the Miz defending his newly won title against Sami Zayn. And there is the caveat if Sami Zayn wins, the title will transfer to Raw. Does Sami Zayn win? And does the title go to Raw? I can't see that happening because why would you have the Intercontinental and U.S. titles on the same show? Right. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Does not. No. So I, I think the Miz, the Miz is winning here. I think I, I don't see any reason why they would. Do I that. think so too, so. and and especially since he won it back so. Re- I mean, he just won it back on SmackDown this right. week. Right. Yeah, that would be silly to do. <laughs> so I mean, it's like it doesn't. You know. So I think that they're just. I, this is just a weird match. I mean, it. You know, the build was rushed and all that, and it's like. Um, you know, I, I know nobody wanted to see Ziggler again against the Miz, even though they've had good matches. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see why, I don't see why Zayn would win. I just don't see a logical reason for it. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I have the Miz winning as well, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about this match because I do think the Miz has had a fantastic year, and Sami Zayn is Sami Zayn, so I think they can have a really, really good match as well. So uh, I'm gonna go about a seven with this one. I, I am looking forward to it from an in-ring standpoint, even if the story is a little muddied and, and weird. I'd go about a seven too. I think Zayn really wants to prove something because he's kind of been, you know, he won that feud against Kevin Owens and he's just been gone. <laughs> I mean, literally the, the next month he was, you needed a search bar to find him after he beat Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens was winning the title, which is just, just the best is I win the feud and then I go away and you win the title. Fantastic. Okay. Got it. Like very weird, but that's how they do it. Anyway, we'll move on to the cruiserweight championship match. This also has the caveat. If Kalisto wins the title and the cruiserweight division, the title and the Cruiserweight division will transfer to SmackDown. It's the Brian Kendrick, your champion, defending against Kalisto. Kalisto wins here? Now, if they're still taping... Now, the plan is still to tape the 205 show on Tuesdays, correct? 205 Live will be taped on Tuesdays after SmackDown, correct? And Kalisto's winning this match. Absolutely. It's like, how can you make an art? I mean, it would be really stupid to have this entire crew of guys... <laughs> Working both TVs every week, right? I mean, just put yeah, them on a, one a, tour. A reminder, this is WWE, but yes, it would be very stupid. But it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, just have Callisto win the match, move them all to Tuesdays, and, and, and get everything aligned. I mean, wouldn't it just screw everything up logistically for the company to have you know this little crew of a dozen guys working both tours. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, a logistical nightmare of, of having those guys come to Raw, come to SmackDown, you know. And also the storylines as well is like, what, what universe are they living in? Like, is it, 205 is going to be this little universe on SmackDown and the people that go to SmackDown shows won't, you know, say you just watch SmackDown, you will know nothing about the Cruiserweights but then are expected to stay after to watch 205 Live. Whereas, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's logistical sense, every sense in the world makes sense that you would put uh, the cruiserweights and that title on SmackDown. So yeah, I think Kalisto al- almost undoubtedly is winning this match and, and will be the new cruiserweight champion. They be- should have been on SmackDown to begin with. Like we screamed. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. I mean, like I, almost almost to a man, every single person said, "Why is this not on SmackDown?" And now no that I and, and now that I've seen it in practice on the main roster, they shouldn't even be on SmackDown. They should just be their own show. Mm-hmm. That was and, my original theory, but you know, it I was mean, a big deal. They wanted to pitch. They, you know, they they wanted to jump on that cruiserweight class. It was a big deal, and of course, Stephanie went, "Hey, we're gonna have the cruiserweights." And yeah, now that they don't I, need them anymore, they're pushing to the side. So you know who the big loser here is? too? it's T.J. Perkins because he came who? out of that. Cru- <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. He came out of that cruiserweight classic red fucking hot, and I haven't seen them cool someone off that fast. And, and, and since, like you said a couple weeks ago, since Goldberg put on the the gold dust wig. I mean, you could not have cooled someone off faster than they did the TJ Perkins. He was really the victim here because he was the face of the cruiserweight division during its, what, a three or four month stay on Raw, yeah. where it was just an overbooked, uh, overcharactered mess. And he was really 
the victim here because I'm not sure he can recover from this awful gimmick that they've saddled him with when he was Man, if you go back and watch that Cruiserweight Classic fight, I mean, this guy couldn't have been more red hot coming off of that thing. It really is disgusting what happened there. Have you watched the NXT shows as well? Because there was also um, that stupid video game stuff is like now in NXT as well. Because like, oh yeah, he was, he was in that Dusty Classic and him and Kota Bushi, and he's like, yeah, my partner's gonna be Kota Bushi. And then he's like, what's your overall rating? And Abushi's like ninety nine. He's like, ah oh, yeah. And then he was like, leave. Yeah. And I was like, dear fucking god, just like, such cornball shit, you know. And it's nobody like nobody talks like that. Nobody. What's your overall rating, dude? <laughs> like. Yeah, and I feel it's like, like what Vince McMahon thinks like ten year olds talk like in nineteen ninety one. Like, and this is a thirty two year old man. Right, it's so weird. You know, he's not twenty one. I mean, he's a thirty two year old man. I mean, it's, so weird. it's yeah. So I mean, he was you know his, his career was so negatively affected. You know, he you know this guy wrestles for you know fifteen years or whatever it is since he's sixteen years old. He finally gets to Monday Night Raw, and that's what ruins his career. It's amazing. <laughs> in two weeks. In like two like, weeks. That's what sent him on the down. I'm sure he's making more money than ever, but it's like in one sense, it, this is what sent his career on a – it was like bad for him because now he's just another guy. Yep. And you know now he's going to SmackDown more than likely and probably just going back to the network from there. And uh, it, it looked like he had a chance to at least become, you know, somewhat of a star. It really, it, it really is surreal what happened with that whole situation. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that anybody cares enough for there to be a book written about the cruiserweight division, but that would be a fascinating tale of just like, just utter incompetence to make that thing into what it's become. And he's is- tried to own it, and I, I mean, he's 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 being a good soldier, and you know, like on Twitter and everything, and. It's just terrible. It's that was right from the beginning. You're just like, oh no, this is never. This is a. This is. This will kill this man from ever becoming a star. Yeah, oh, it was that it's first night. I mean, when you, when you didn't show up, when, when you couldn't find him that first night. I mean, that. Oh well, yeah, well, yeah, that, that didn't help. Yeah, newly won T.J. Perkins. All right, we, we're not gonna. You're not gonna see him. He was on uh, W.com. Go to W.com if you want to see him. I mean, that was that was pretty much the death knell right there. So, all right, so we'll move on now. I think you're gonna be way into this match. 10 on 10, Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match. I know these are your favorite matches ever, these old school ones. I love these. I know you do. The, the Team Raw is the New Day, Sheamus and Cesaro, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Enzo Mori and Big Cass, and the Shining Stars. And they will be against Team SmackDown, which is Heat Slater and Rhino, the Hype Bros, American Alpha. Remember American Alpha? That was a cool little thing they had for a while. Remember, remember those guys? That's cool. Uh, the Usos and Breezango. You know, American Alpha, circling back again, Totally not over on the main roster. Nobody cares. And that might speak to a couple points I made earlier, you know? Uh, New York City being a major league town. Maybe NXT isn't over in Australia. Um, you know, you got a Survivor Series city, and, and maybe NXT just isn't a big deal to, to if, there, if there's not a lot of travel. Because you look at someone like American Alpha, and there's other examples, too, of people who've come up from NXT and just haven't gotten the same reactions. I mean, you know, those guys were super over in NXT, but... You know, maybe it's just a small group, but maybe it's a smaller group of people than we think who really are into super into NXT, mm-hmm. and maybe it really is just traveling crowds that are into that. You know, it's something to think about. But yeah, they're not over at all. Um, but I mean, look, this match will be ruined if, and all of these matches really will be ruined if there's constant infighting among teammates. Well, which <laughs> have you watched the build? Because there's going to be exactly, constant infighting between teammates. Yeah. Exactly, which it's a guaranteed lock that at least one or two of these matches are going to be marred by that. 
Hopefully it's not all of them. We know they can't resist, at least in a couple of these matches, to go down that road. We know this company. Uh, but hopefully a couple of these elimination It's really hard to project out which of these matches are going to be good, which ones are going to be super uh, storyline intensive, which ones are going to... Uh, you know, it's all, I mean, you know, all four of them, it, it, they're all really toss-ups. We don't know. It all depends how overbooked each of them are. Uh, this is one where really there's not a lot going on storyline-wise. They really could play this one straight, and this could be sort of, I don't want to say your work rate elimination match out of the four, but of the four, I think it, it might have the, the best shot of not being overbooked. How about that? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think this is one that you can... I mean, there's going to be enough happening just in the ring and enough happening with guys tagging in, enough characters coming in, and, and enough personalities being in the ring that you don't have to overbook this one. And I, I don't think it is because it also doesn't feature their top guys. They're not a bunch of people with a bunch of storylines going on. Yeah, you might have, you know, Anderson and, and, and Gallows and Enzo and Cass, like, you know, not getting along and kind of arguing a little bit. But it's not going to be the same level as we'll talk about a match here in a little bit that's just all the top stars. I mean, that one is going to be rife with, with you know, infighting and, uh, and overbooked angles and authority getting involved, perhaps. And, and different things like that. I think that's going to be the one. But yeah, I think this one and, and the match we're going to talk about next, I think have the chance to just be the cleanest sort of matches. And, and and let's hope that they are. Let's hope that they are just well-worked matches where, yeah, you're going to have some infighting. I mean, that's going to obviously happen. But I, there's no reason this 10-on-10 10 10 match can't just be, you know, who's the better team and the better team wins and the better, you know, collection of talent uh, wins. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this overbooked thing. So, yeah, I, I do think this one is going to hopefully stay away from that. But uh, we'll see. How do you feel... If your company books a 20-man match and you're the Ascension or you're the Vaude Villains <laughs> and you can't even crack a 20-man match, yeah, how does that make you feel? Probably not good, yeah. Because you know they're going to bring them to the show. They're going to be in the back, hanging out at catering, getting beaten There's up be by nobody Hulk left, too. There's going to be nobody left, too. They're just going to be sitting there by themselves. All their and it's the like yeah. you can't even work your way into a 10 versus 10 match in your own division. <laughs> I mean, who are the Ascension, the Vaude Villains? Who else? I know there's got to be others. Uh, let's see. That, that might be it, team. actually. How many more? <laughs> how many more tag? There can't be more than six tag teams on each brand, right? I mean, that's embarrassing. That's humiliating. Yeah, let's see. Who's um? You got the club. You got Enzo. Uh, I guess Golden Truth. Did I mention ah, them? Golden uh, Truth. Gold, yeah, Golden yeah, Truth. But, I mean, they, don't, they don't care. They don't care. I mean, they're fine. They're not like up and coming talents. I don't think they care. Uh, other than that, yeah, I think that's it. Then it's the Ascension and the Vaude Villains. I think Golden Truth. Those dudes are just happy to be employed. They're yeah, oh, yeah. they're Wouldn't like you? fifty <laughs> years old. You know, they're well liked. You know, by all accounts, they're good guys. Yeah, I don't see them being depressed over this. If you're Victor, you've got to be just like, what if you're? What if you're the? Uh, Aiden English is who you're bringing up, probably, right? If you're Aiden English, I mean, your career has just gone into shitter since <laughs> your tag team you partner, right. you know, popped off about Donald Trump and got knocked out by Hunico. Your career has just spiraled into the fuck, down the fucking drain since that point. They've done nothing. They don't even get on TV to lose anymore. I mean, that poor guy. And what did he do? He didn't do nothing. <laughs> no. He did nothing, you know? Same thing for Victor, really, because, look... It's not like they had any upward trajectory anyway. But you got Conor getting suspended for PEDs or whatever. The oh, yeah, violent. I forgot that that even happened. <laughs> so what they need to do is they need to take Conor. You want Conor? <laughs> and they need to take... Um, um, Simon Gotch? Simon Gotch. They need to cut those guys and team up Aiden English and Victor. 
you know, and, and give those guys a fair shot. You know, they didn't do, they didn't do anything wrong. I mean, the only thing Victor ever did wrong is being a charismaless void. I mean, you know, but, but, but like he seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, you know, supposedly he was a workhorse in Canada. I, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure he was. Okay. Yeah. But, but I mean, but I mean, you know, it's like it's unfair to those guys that their partners are fucking dipshits. This is why people don't want to be in tag teams because you get heat by association, you know. But something tells me the ascension wasn't going anywhere anyway. But in the other, the vaude villains, they were pushed for a while. They were, yeah. And now no, you can't, can't find him at all. I mean, no, no, you way. can't ever since he got knocked out at that catering table. It's really – that's been the turning point for them. You know, They were in that feud with Enzo and Cass, and then they got a title match the next month. I mean they were in the mix. Now they can't even get in a 20-man match in their own division. I mean that's just bad. Uh, where do you add 0 to 10 on this match? You know what? It's hard to rank these four because like I said, it's like they all could be good yeah. or they all could be overbooked messes. Now, so – I kind of got to go five for every one of them, but I love the 10 on 10 tag style match. So I, I got it. I'll give that an extra point. I'll give it a six. I also like when guys get pinned so fast that their partners never even get in the ring. Jacques Rougeau, 1988, or was it 87? It was 88. Jacques Rougeau, Raymond gets pinned. Jacques never gets in the ring, Raymond. and he gets eliminated before he. Now, yes, because remember, that's when the British Bulldogs wanted to kill. Jacques Rougeau, <laughs> because he punched Dynamite Kid with the roll of quarters in the back and knocked his teeth out. We don't get that anymore. The good old days. <laughs> that, those were the – well, hey, we just got Hunico knocking out Simon That's Gotch. true, I guess, yeah. But now, no. we can't go, now we can't be on the tour bus. So. Yeah, we got, we got Chris Jericho biting Hunico. And let me tell you something about Hunico. This guy, he's getting in fights with everybody, and he never gets fired. You know what that tells me? He's probably – he, well, he's probably a good dude who's on the right side of these arguments. Because why wouldn't they fucking get rid of this guy if he's beating the shit out of everybody left and right? Yeah, you know what well, I, mean? I think he's also probably winning, getting the better of these fights, too. We know that McMahon's always had, like, a pension for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they always say that yeah. when you get in a fight and you win, Vince is kind of like, all right. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I mean, Simon Gotch doing what he did was probably – and I'm sure they're worried about, like, implications as well. And, like, I don't know what the, the, the Jericho thing was, but everything that you read is, like – they're like, oh, he was making odd noises the entire ride. I was like, was he just speaking Spanish? And Jericho was like annoyed by it, because that's what I kind of think it might have been, where he was just like talking very loudly on his phone or whatever, and Jericho was pissed off. And I think they don't want the lawsuit. I think that's probably what it is, because I'm sure uh, like, you know what with the Del Rio, the yeah. Del Rio thing, and yeah, and I, I, I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing there's an impl- uh, a little bit of that involved. Because because in I mean, he's a prelim guy. I mean, it'd be no loss. Oh, nobody would know. I mean, nobody in the world would notice if he was gone tomorrow. And if you're worried about, I don't. I, you know, if the Sin Cara merch is still... Oh, you can you throw know, anybody under that fucking mask. Anyone. Like, exactly. You put anyone under the mask. So that's not even a factor in his case. But, um, you know, either way, I mean, yeah, Jacques Rougeau. So he never even tagged in the match because they were afraid Dynamite Kid, that nut job, was going to shoot on him in the middle of the pay-per-view. So they got Raymond out of there quick with one of your spell, one of your limit. You know what? I'm going to watch that match after we're done. I, I'm going to go back. and. I yeah, love what was that, 89 you said? I think that one was 88. Let's see. Let me see. 88 Survivor. I'll have the producer fire this guy up as well. 87. Yeah, 87 and 88. 89, okay. they didn't have a tag match. If this I'm, is the I, third one, though, right? Oh, maybe it was 88 and 89. I know there were two. The, the Demolition Powers of Pain turn was 89. So you're okay, right. It was 88. Does have, I think it was 88 then, because 88 does have yeah. both those teams. 88. Yep. So it must have been 88. All right. Yeah, because Bulldogs were gone. That was it for them. They weren't in the 89 match. They were. They were. They left shortly thereafter. 
Um, okay, it looks like actually 89 does not have one of those big tag. Right, it was 87 and 88. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay, that's what you're saying. 87 and 88 had the two big tag matches. I, I, I'm almost – but 88 was – the Rougeos weren't around – no, they were around 87 because they were at they were They were in 87, but they were on the same team at that point. Right, the Rougeaus were still baby faces. Right, and then in '88 they were not baby faces, so that must have been it. Must have been that was it. Was eighty? Yeah. It was eight, 88 or '89? Uh, '88. '88. '88. Yeah, '88 had the the big tag matches. Right, so '88 the Rougeaus turned heel, then they were on opposite sides, and then the Bulldogs left. Not very long after that, and that in '88 was the Demolition Powers of Pain double turn. Correct. Right. right. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to. And one of those, if not both of them, were like hour-long matches. Like, they were like 50 minutes long, those matches. Yeah, the, the, so the 87 one is 37 minutes long. <laughs> and the uh, 88 one was, uh, let's fire it up here real quick. Um, I think that one's even longer, if I remember. Yeah, I think right. it was in the 40s. Yeah, 42 minutes and 12 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, here's the match times for the 88 Survivor Series. The opener is 17.50. This match is 42.12. The next match is thirty oh three, and then the main event is twenty nine ten, and then you are done. Yeah, four matches. Cool, I like that. The whole like roster that. in four matches. <laughs> That's not bad. That's efficient for sure. Yeah, I'm sure these guys love Survivor Series, man. Get that payday, work five minutes. Yep. That's that's not especially bad, if so. you're like Scott Casey and you're eliminated like instantly, <laughs> right. right? You just go to the back and just do some blow and <laughs> whatever. Like because here. Scott Casey replaced B. Brian Blair. Who replaced Junkyard Dog? He was like the third replacement in his match because Junkyard Dog quit and went to Crockett, right? right. Yeah. So if you watch like early, if there's still like early promo picks and early TV where they advertise Junkyard Dog for that match, then he was replaced by B. Brian Blair, who he quit because they had just split up the, 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 the Killer Bees because Brunzel's on that card too. Uh, it was like a, in, a, in a different match. Mm-hmm. McMahon wanted to turn Blair heel. Heel, Blair didn't want to turn heel because he didn't want to lose T-shirt sales. So he said, fuck you, I quit. So he walked out over that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then Scott Casey replaced B. Brian Blair in the match. So, like, they had to dig real deep because Scott Casey at that time, Rich, he was just a TV jobber. He wasn't even, like, he had no semblance of a push. He was a TV jobber. He was one of the TV jobbers who worked the house show loops, like Steve Lombardi, Barry Horowitz, um... Iron Mike Sharp, you know, like the TV jobbers that 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 they would send on the road because they they were veterans and they had respect. He was one of those guys. He never even won matches, but like they had to dig so deep with all the replacements that Scott Casey got on a pay per view. And I know, like at the time as a kid, we were all freaked out by that. We're like, why is Scott Casey on this? What went wrong? Yeah, yeah, we didn't understand. Like we're like, why is he in a match with all these good people? Like he's a he's a ham and egger on Saturday mornings. Why is he? In this match, we were very confused. We're like, guys like him and Iron Mike Sharp don't get on pay-per-views. What the hell is happening here? But yeah, so imagine that. Brian Blair quitting because he didn't want to turn heel because he didn't want to lose merch sales. That is something else. <laughs> I love that. You'll never get that anymore. I mean, that those days are – can you imagine like Dolph Ziggler being like, I'm out of here. Like, and like it's a big deal when like a Ryback and those sort of guys leave or whatever. But like, yeah, you're, you're run-of-the-mill guys. But that's like many years of like frustration as opposed to like Brian Blair who was fine. And then they said, hey, we're going to turn your heel. And he went, fuck you. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, he was mad for two things. He never got the tag titles that he was, said he was promised like three different times. 
And and then they wanted to turn him heel and make him a singles heel, and he was afraid he'd lose merchandise sales. Imagine a time where fans didn't buy T-shirts of the heels, too. I mean, it's just completely different. And it's really not that long ago. You're talking what? 1988, right? Yeah, I mean, right. it's crazy. Like, now, you know, everyone just buys everybody's T-shirt. They weren't even buying a T-shirt. I heard Rob Van Dam, too, recently, saying that when he was working Memphis – the payoffs would be like 15 bucks a night. It was ridiculous. Nobody would last in Memphis because they just didn't make any money. But he didn't mind Memphis because he was a babyface and he got to sell merchandise at the shows and that's what he survived on. So again, the same <laughs> yeah. kind of dynamic. Like right. if you were a heel like in the territory days, even as late as like the early 90s, like you were fucked because you couldn't sell merch. Like a lot of times the promoters didn't want you like selling Polaroid. Like, even oh, God, no. You had to get in your car and drive away as soon as possible. You were probably going to get stabbed if you hung around too. Like, yeah. So like being turned heel, unless you were a top guy working at the – if you were like a prelim heel, that was the fucking worst. You wouldn't make any money. Yeah. Well, and also, too, they don't want you fraternizing with the fans. I mean, God, if, if Vern Gagne saw you outside the, the arena talking to a fan and you're a, a heel or whatever, can you imagine? Like, yeah, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. Crazy. All right, let's move on here. We got uh, five on five Survivor Series elimination match. We got Team Raw, Charlotte, Bailey, Nia Jax, Alicia Fox, and Sasha Banks versus Team SmackDown, Nikki Bella, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Naomi. Now, I'll tell you, this had a nice heated angle. This, you know, they did, they're doing a nice job building this one. Um, but again, we can't really assess any of these four. It, it just, it's really a roll of the dice what they decide to overbook. Um, right. I am, I am looking forward to this though. I mean, I, it, it, it has the potential to be good, but I also think it, it, it has a very high probability of infighting among the teammates that can just tear the match. Yeah, apart. You know, what I've liked about this build though, is it's had less of it than almost all the other ones. You know what I mean? There was a unity of like, That's true. I think you're talking about that angle that, that were all the raw people were beating down on like a Nikki Bell or whatever last, uh, this past week or whatever on TV. So that's really interesting as well. I mean, I feel like they, and, and I, I think, have you gotten through all the TV this week or you said you were still kind of catching up, right? I'm still working through it, but I've seen bits. I've seen all the key stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was one that I think of all the ones, of all the other things, I, I think the unity was more in this one than any. So I am interested to see how that works. And I thought it was kind of interesting to hit even, like, Bailey joining in on the beatdown. I thought it would be kind of cool if she was just like, ah, what are we doing? Like, I don't really want to be involved. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that would be a kind of cool dynamic, but they had her get involved. So, no, I think there is a, a, um, the most clear dynamic. My issue with this match is you look at the Ross side, and there's a lot of talent on the Ross side. You got a Charlotte, a Bailey, a Sasha Banks or whatever. Uh, even Anaya Jax plays a very good role in these sort of matches. Team SmackDown, eh, not so much. I mean, you have, like, you know, I Nikki's fine. You know, people get mad at me if I just say she's fine. But she's, she's you know, she's fine. Becky Lynch is very good. The rest of them, eh, you know, Alexa Bliss, I, I enjoy her, but she's not great. Carmella is, you know, Carmella. And Naomi is Naomi. So I have an issue there where, like, the work rate is going to really fall on Nikki and Becky. But that might be okay. No, oh, yeah, I have no problem with that. Right, and that might be fine that it's just those two. So you might get real quick eliminations where those three are out, and then, you know, Becky might be under, you know, and this would be a really good chance to really establish Becky. Of her, like, you know, Nikki gets knocked out, the other guys get knocked out, and it's Becky that just has to kind of, you know, we talk about overcoming the odds all the time. They love to tell that story. Well, this would be a very good opportunity for her to get through three people or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's two, even if it's two on one, Becky gets through them. I think that's a perfect story to tell with her. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree, but but again, it's it it's a I like what you're laying out, but there's this dice roll, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I think there's there's a good chance the raw one is going to be overbooked uh, for sure. Uh, I think that would would you, would you say that one has the big the best odds of being overbooked? Uh, you think that the, you, you're talking about the the main event one? 
the the raw yeah the raw I'm sorry the uh, yeah 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 right the raw versus SmackDown oh that one's gonna be a mess that one's gonna be a total right, fucking right. mess and now Shane McMahon's in it so there's no doubt that it's gonna be a total fucking mess so right yeah yeah which, which annoys me I mean I guess we could transition to that yeah, match that. right but um or, did we skip one or uh no that's it uh well then we got Lesnar and, and Goldberg of course right. that's that's our, our main event but yeah let's move on to the next one. So there's three Survivor matches. I, why did I keep saying there was four? I don't know. You're very excited. Maybe there'll be one on the pre-show. Maybe uh, the Vaude Villains and uh, Big Show and uh... I would. I would listen. The <laughs> more survi- more Survivor matches, the better. Have they announced a pre-show match? Apollo Cruz. No, I have not seen one yet. Uh, as of the recording of this, I, I don't know uh, what's going on. Yeah, maybe we get the. You know, uh... what? I would. I would listen. I would <laughs> like to see ten mid carters in their in their red and blue T-shirts on opposite sides. <laughs> I would. I would. I would enjoy that. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, I think this one has the best chance of being an overbooked mess, uh, you know, because you've got Seth Rollins and, 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 and Owens on the same team, and you've got Shane McMahon in there for some reason. Where do you think they're going with this? Because, you know, I think everyone thought they planted the seeds for a Shane McMahon-Brock Lesnar potential WrestleMania right, match. Right. Um, maybe they've forgotten about that because where do you see them going with interjecting Shane into this match? I have no idea. I, I do still think that that's the the end road is is that Lesnar Shane McMahon, but this one makes it a little bit interesting. I I, I honestly I'll I'll be honest. I've watched the TV. I've seen it. I have no fucking clue why he's in this match whatsoever. My biggest thing too is like when he announced that he was in there, the teammates were happy about it. They're like, yeah, sweet. Like you right. want the fifty year old that got his ass kicked by the Undertaker like eight months ago. On your team, and he hasn't wrestled in a decade. Why isn't Undertaker in the match? <laughs> right, that guy's right there, and he's on SmackDown. Have him go. Like, like from from a kayfabe perspective, he beat the fuck out of this guy. And if he's I'm actually if, a wrestler, <laughs> if I'm AJ Dean Bray or Orton, why would I not want the Undertaker in the match? Right, this whole month would have been them begging the Undertaker to please come here, please come, please come, please come. Right. I mean, you would think, <laughs> but it's he, he showed up anyway. So why not put him in? You know, I'd rather have him in the match. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I have no, because I still do think that they're kind of trying to build that Lesnar. Shane, maybe it's get the ring rust off a little bit. Maybe Shane gets an elimination or something like that. Maybe, I don't know what the hell they do here, but I, I, I honestly have no idea what Shane McMahon's doing. But how do you get from here to Lesnar with um, Shane? You don't. I mean, yeah, I, it's weird. Ha- I mean, that, the other thing with the Lesnar thing is I, they've gotten lazy with that where I don't think you really have to do anything because Lesnar goes away and then you just have Shane do something or Shane calls him out or, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it doesn't take Or Lesnar just comes out and beats him up and says, I, I, I don't know. But Right, they, they've gotten lazy with Lesnar. They don't do that. Like, they don't plant the seeds anymore with Lesnar shit anymore. He just kind of comes out and beats somebody up and that's the match. Or maybe they just forget about what happened between Brock and Shane. Or maybe we just read too much into it. Who knows? It's possible. Hopefully. But, I, I really do hope we read too much into it because I don't want to see that. So so it's Owens, Jericho, Roman, Braun, and Seth. Yes. And then we already named – but the other thing that really bothers me is James Ellsworth <laughs> is going to be out there. So you just know that this is going to be you know crazy overbooked. Ellsworth supposedly signed a two-year deal. Dear God. Uh, uh, good for that man. Told. Good for him, but dear. Good for him, but I I'm sick of the guy. I I don't see the appeal. Um, he would be good in small doses, but this is WWE. They don't do anything in small no, doses. That's that's done. That's already passed. The small doses are is come and gone, Joe. That's, that's he shoved down your throat. He's a terrible performer. He's really bad. Yeah. I mean, he's not even good. He's not a good performer. Like I, you can't. You know, unfortunately, it's not on the award winning network. But if you go back and watch Colin Delaney circa 2007 or whatever year that was in ECW, same exact role, much better performer. I mean, night and day. I mean, he just blows Ellsworth out of the water. And it's the same exact character. I mean, the same exact thing. 
Ellsworth, his acting is horrendous. Um, he just doesn't emote very well. I'm sick of the guy. He drags down the segments he's in to me. Now, with that said, he's over. And his t-shirt's selling. So what do I know? Um, but, you know, to give this guy a two-year deal, if that is the case, I mean, what are you going to do with this guy for two years? Yeah, I, I feel mean, like this the story's is gonna... done in, like, two months. Like, yeah, that's what happened with Colin Delaney. It's kind of already I mean, done, too. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Colin Delaney thing ran its course after a couple of months, and then they did the heel turn on Tommy Dreamer, and then that was it for him. That definitely, it's not a two-year story with this guy, you know? Well, it's like Barry Horowitz in 95. Like, he, you know, he got that's his big true. win. Yeah. Uh, you know, after years of being a jobber, he got his big win, and then that was kind of done in, like, two months. And it was like, all right, well, now what do we do with Barry Horowitz? And then he was gone. He, he did he couldn't go back to being a jobber. They just got rid of him, and he had to go to WCW or whatever. I mean, it was like, right, that right. story played out. Like, once they get their wins, they're kind of done. Like uh, Tomoaki Hanma. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll we, we warned about that. But, I mean, it's a little different. But, um... But I mean, yeah, so it's like Ellsworth, I mean, obviously you do the heel turn at some point, but then that's it. The heel turn is the apex. You know what the heel turn is? It's, you know, it's Ross and Rachel getting together on Friends. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, that's it. Once Jim and sec- Pam on the office. Jim and yeah. Pam on the office. Yeah, it's like once the sexual tension is gone, it's all downhill from there. Once <laughs> I, like, I like using James Ellsworth and sexual tension in the same sentence. In the same that's right. That's right. It's, it's a good analogy. So. <laughs> Once he does the heel turn, which is akin to hooking up with the woman that he has sexual tension with, there's nothing left to do with James Ellsworth. And it's like, you know, just like Friends and then The Office limp to a finish with some poor seasons at the end there. After, you know, those stories played out, it's, there's nothing left to do with this guy. So um, I, I don't see how you've got two years worth of – I cannot deal – with 18 months of this guy in his current role and then doing the heel turn for the last six months, he's going to get cut. I mean, they're going to do the heel turn in a month. You know what I mean? And then that's going to be it for James Ellsworth. It's just – but I mean, good for him. Yeah. No, um, you, you get over however it takes, okay? It doesn't matter. You get over however it takes. He's got his dream job. He's selling T-shirts. And – um you know, I'm I'm not mad at James Ellsworth, but I'm mad I have to watch him every week on TV, um, dragging down SmackDown. He's really the least likable thing about SmackDown to me. I, I it's just it's his his whole deal. It's just not for me. It doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, all right, and then do we have anything more on that match? Uh, what, what's your interest level of that one, the Team Raw, Team SmackDown? I'm very low on it because I do think that it is overwhelmingly just going to be, even though all the guys in there, like if they just wanted to have a great match, they could absolutely do that, but I'm just so... Much I, like, star power, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's really a great match on paper. I mean, and you look at guys, uh, Owens is good, Jericho is good, Reigns is good, Rollins is good, Styles is good, Ambrose is good, uh, Orton is solid in, in, in doses, um, you know, Wyatt can, can well, probably the, the, do some the, stuff if you wanted to. I to mean, me, it's all the... There. To me, the thing with this match is what they do with Strowman. That's the most interesting thing. Yeah. Um, does he look? He can't get beat, so he either survives or he like gets counted out or something. He'll um, be the big oaf that gets like counted out, or, or like he'll be dumb and chase somebody to the back. Like he'll chase Bray to the back or something. You know what I mean? He's gonna yeah. be that sort of elimination. There's no way that he gets pinned. No, not a chance. And you have that sort of stuff. And I, I have no doubt that whatever the final stretch is or whatever will probably be pretty good. It's probably Styles versus uh, a Reigns or an Owens or whatever, which is gonna be cool. But like, I do wonder what's gonna happen in that. I wonder if Jericho's. You know, and, like there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, there's just no doubt in my mind that it is gonna be overbooked and it is gonna be that. But I, I hope it's not because it has the ability to be a fantastic match if they just let those guys go in there. 
And they tell, like you said, a perfect eliminate. I mean, you can book the rest of WrestleMania with this match alone. You know what I mean? Like, you can fill yeah. up every other little match. You can fill up five matches on this WrestleMania card with just this match alone if you book it properly. Do they have the you know do 